One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling. Hasn't had me back, but now I've got this podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Charles Ellsworth, and you're listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. If you're not familiar with me, that's all right. You're definitely not the only one. I'm a songwriter first, musician second, somewhere down the line filmmaker. Pretty much I just like to tell stories. Some people have called me a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and I'm definitely semi-professional at everything I do. Nothing single-handedly makes me a living, but it all adds up to getting by. Hey there, Dirtbags. Welcome to Dirtbags Guide, episode 19, with my buddy Regan Ashton. Um, really excited for you all to hear this conversation I had with Regan a few weeks back. He and I have known each other for about, oh man, I want to say, we probably talk about it in the episode, but you know, around a decade, maybe a little bit longer, and uh, I always really liked him. We met working at Urban Outfitters when I was in college, and he worked there for a few weeks and then had to move back home because his mom got diagnosed with cancer and then we kind of lost touch because I you know we had just kind of worked together for a little bit and didn't really know each other super well and then uh, a few years later I see I'm at a Gaslight Anthem show with my buddy Punk Rock Mike and we're hanging out watch enjoying the show and then we see this kid jump up on stage and start singing along with Brian Fallon and uh and then he jumps off and crowd surfs away. And then, and then he, I was like, I think I know that kid. And then he does it again. And then security catches him and throws him out. And, uh, <laughs> and then Brian Fallon, after the song's over, is like, did you kick that kid out? Oh, man, he was just having fun. It's just punk rock. It's rock and roll. You should let him back in. Oh, little, little did I know later on, we're, we're walking around downtown Salt Lake City after the show gets out and running to Regan. And it was him, the very one that I used to work with at Urban Outfitters, who had been kicked out of the show. So um, we've stayed in touch ever since, played some shows together. And yeah, we talk about the battle of trying to get sober and his his history in the music scene. And um, I really apologize for this episode being a day late. And uh, I really want to thank my my engineer Sean Ramos for uh, rushing to get this together I, I kind of slacked on getting an intro for this episode together this past weekend because I, I got some bad news about a friend that I grew up with and uh, was kind of processing that and decided to um, you know just it just kind of slipped my mind I was, I was processing something and, and I needed to uh, needed to deal with that and so I, I apologize for the episode being late Thanks, Sean, for rushing to get it all together, and Dana for being patient with me. Um, I don't have a whole lot I want to plug. Uh, you know the usual. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it and give it a rating in the podcast or the iTunes store. Um, share it with your friends. That makes a big difference for us, and we'd really like for this podcast to start reaching a broader audience. Um, and then we can get you know really cool guests on. So I'm really stoked that... Regan was was agreed to come on to this podcast and and have a conversation with me about his life on the road and you know what it means to him to be a dirtbag. 
If you like the show and you want to support us, please check us out on Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth. And it's a way that you can decide to chip in a certain dollar amount each month, and that money goes towards the overall budget of me making this show, as well as making more music, videos, all sorts of things. And in exchange for that little bit of money you donate each month or you contribute to my cause as an artist each month, you get access to a, a much more privileged version of my life and a lot more detailed information about my songwriting process through little videos I do or little essays I write. Um, it's just a, it's a great way to get to know me better and support this show that you apparently enjoy listening to. So please check out patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth. Makes a big difference for me and my team. And we'd really appreciate having you as part of our community there on Patreon. Um, other than that, you can find me on the internet for a lot of different reasons, mainly music. My name's Charles Ellsworth, if you hadn't picked that up by now. And uh, I'd just love for you to listen to my music. Uh, look me up in Tidal or Apple Music or... Uh, Pandora, whatever it is you use to listen to music, Spotify, and uh, hit the play button and just play through it. Uh, make sure you get past the first two instrumental songs, Rose Door and Fox Glovin, A Major, I believe. Um, great songs, but they're not really indicative of the rest of my catalog. Please, if you want to hear all of what I do or like a more broad idea of the music that I've made throughout the past decade or so, check out a playlist I made specifically for this podcast. It says... Or it's called my name, or it's called my friends call me Chuck. Um, and there's a picture of me there on the cover. It's on Spotify, and it's got about ten or twelve songs of mine that'll give you a good idea of what I'm all about. Um, I want to thank you all so much for listening to the show. I want to tell you all how much I love you, whether we've met in person or not, or whether we're longtime highway friends. I love you and I value you. Um, I hope you all love yourselves the way you would love um, a lover or, or the, you know, <laughs> the way you'd love a family member. I, I hope you offer yourself that same grace. And, uh, and when you're not feeling so good about yourself, I hope you please uh, talk to someone because uh, you may never know the amount of people that just mean the absolute world to you. And whether you believe it or not, you not being around is going to really, really um, be really hard on a lot of people. And uh, so please just reach out if you're struggling because cause you are loved and you are valued. So please enjoy this episode with my friend Regan. Uh, it's a great conversation. I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks again for tuning in. What's up, Wildcat? Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there. Good to hear. Good to hear. How how was your holidays? Um, uh, Not much happened. I I, I usually don't go out during the holidays, so uh, this wasn't a big change for me, but uh, I didn't do too much. Uh, Got some Chinese food and uh, hung out with the cats, so. Nice. Yeah, we I did the same, except the cats being my roommates in this case. 
<laughs> they're they're my roommates too. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, my roommates just happen to be humans. Probably a little, <laughs> little more messy, but less um, temperamental than the cats. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have some I have some pretty crazy girls. They're they're a, they're a little nuts. You might hear them a few times. Oh, okay, cool. I, I look forward to. It. What are their names? Um, actually, they're because. Uh, um, really big into Vladimir Nabokov. Uh, one's actually called Lolita and one's called Ada. So, oh, okay. Have you heard of the Lolita podcast? No, I have not. Uh, it's like uh, I forget who it is. Jamie Loftus, I think. Uh, she's like a comedian podcaster that uh, I don't know. I've just heard um, it advertised on podcasts I've listened to, but where she's going through like that Lolita and talking about how it's like kind of gotten recontextualized throughout history and stuff like that and I don't know it's it's really interesting and I was Very like oh man I should I should probably finish reading that book before I listen to that podcast you know it's funny it's, it's funny I read I read I was I was working at a place called JW Pepper which was a sheet music store that was adjacent to uh Summer Haze music okay and um nobody was buying sheet music so I just read books constantly and um, I read, actually read Lolita um, while working there and just got paid to read that shit. And, um, no, it, it, it's, it's so funny because, uh, you know, people talk about how it's, it's a classic. It's a classic. I, I was just trying to catch up on reading, like, you know, all the different things that I missed out on or, you know, mm-hmm. oh, this is a classic. This is so I got I to try it. I got I to gotta read it. And fuck me, man. That's when I was just like, okay, I get it, Menzingers. I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something about yeah, I mean, something about Murakami is the same way. Like there's something about fucking you know like somebody who uh, learns the language secondary. And it's like you are so much better than me. You are so much better than me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, um, it's it's weird how having like a, a grasp of multiple languages gives you a, like a an ability. It seems to give you an ability to um to like convey nuance through language that you don't really like learn by just having the the one if that makes sense <laughs> no absolutely that's that's exactly that's that's exactly my theory it's just like it's like and not to discount how hard they would have to learn like a second language but just like man you learned it right my 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 dumbass schooling from fucking spanish fourth utah fucking didn't teach me shit I have the worst <laughs> writing skills <laughs> you know like i i should be better than what i am and uh, and uh, I don't I don't know it's just a theory of mine but man I, uh, Nabokov was definitely when I first read him I'm just like yeah gotta you know you gotta read, read Grapes of Wrath you gotta you gotta you gotta read some Faulkner you gotta read some you gotta read some Hemingway you gotta you gotta catch up and uh, Nabokov was on that list and I was just like oh shit this isn't a this isn't a smutty book this is a I mean it's fucked up it's fucked up but uh, it's uh, fucking magnificent and. Um, and uh, Humbert Humbert being the the, the quintessential uh, unreliable uh, un, unreliable narrator, you know, just mm-hmm. just being a piece of shit trying to be like it's like why am I the vi- why I'm the victim why I'm the victim it really speaks to about the incel culture I would think. Oh yeah, I that's something I picked up when when I like I said I haven't finished it and this was years ago that I picked it up. I, I have this habit of like. I mean, I start every, so many books and I, I very rarely finish them. Um, I need to fix that. I think it's an attention span issue. Um, 
Probably a lot but, more uh, things going on in New York than there is in Salt Lake City at the time. So I, I get it. I mean, it's it's there's no excuse really. It's just like how you choose to spend your time. I was talking to my friend Jeremy today about like my biggest regret as I get older and realize I don't have time to do all the things I want to do is the time that I've wasted. But it's also like understanding like, you know, that like a vacation isn't wasted time, but I've also like, I've, I say I've wasted a bunch of time, but I've, I haven't taken vacations like ever, you know? It's, so like, it's, that, like, uh, it's like that, um, even though it's fucking super shitty, uh, um, uh, reference, but, uh, that, uh, that, um, John Lennon quote where he's just like wasted time or no time worth wait time enjoyed wasting was it waste I don't fucking know he's a fucking idiot but uh, uh you know, <laughs> but uh yeah no, no I, I totally you know it's like it's like you you there's there's you, you're you're working like especially with music you you've been so fucking busy Ben like I it, it's funny that it's like it's like without without tour for me it's like I realized that I do not put out things I do not do things. If it wasn't for tour, it's just like I, I've been thinking that I could put out an album every two or three years. I'm just like, yeah, I'm busy. And now that that tour stopped, I'm just like, oh shit, oh shit, I haven't done, I don't do anything. There's no, there's, <laughs> I have so much time. Yeah, no, that's um, I, that's kind of like where I'm, I'm finding myself with a lot of time, and like. I don't know, being on the road and playing shows, and I'm sure you probably relate to some extent, is, like, is how I've, like, it's, like, kind of my 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 payments for dealing with all the bullshit of life, you know? And it's, like, a nice way. It kind of can be escapism, which is dangerous, and I'm trying to figure out. But, um, you know, it's just, like, a nice way for me to, like, get through, like, the difficulties of life by just being on the road because I really like it. And and it makes all the bullshit seem like it, – it becomes very, like, survivalist in a way. Yeah. You know how it is? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, where your, your, your problems become manageable when you're on the road. It's just, like, you see how minuscule it is after this, like, that, that, uh, that cliche of seeing it in, like, the fucking rearview mirror kind of thing. Totally. And also, like, it's like, man – if I have to, I can live off of a few dollars a day as long as I've got money for gas to get to the next show. Like I can, you know, like I can be very utilitarian if need be. And it makes all the, the existentialism kind of like less of an issue. (laughs) But then when I end up stuck in my bedroom for a year, if I don't keep myself busy, the existentialism becomes a fucking issue, you know, or I got to drink about it or I got to, like I, I start getting uncomfortable in my skin and I get so part of why I'm busier. I do so much shit is because like, it's, it's like a, it comes from an unhealthy place. Like it's workaholism, you know, it's escapism <laughs> in a whole other form. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you don't stay busy, that's what, what, that's when the dread creeps in. It, 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 it's funny because uh, I, 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 I suffer from a similar kind of like a, a similar thing, but uh, me, like I'm so afraid to put things out. But the, the eventually the fear of not doing anything will eventually will like succumb that like, and I will just eventually be like I got to do everything I got to do it now I got to put an album right the fuck now and I'll just fucking go and go do it after like sitting on it forever. Um, it it it's it's like that. Uh, I I let it build up so much to, to the point where I'm like, oh my god, if you do not do another thing, if you don't do something soon, you you I mean, what's the fucking point of any of this? 
Yeah, I I can I understand that sense of urgency, and it and it's hard because COVID's made me like my my record that's going to be out, um, in March. Like it, I originally wanted it out in like August or September, you know, uh, and yeah. that's and that's the hard thing of being like, well, if you want to do this right, and if you want to, you know, make sure you've got got it printed and ready on hand and ready to ship out the day it's out and you know, all that stuff, it's like, you know, it starts looking at, like, February, March, and, and you, yeah, you start, you're like, man, everyone's judging me because this record hasn't come out, and I've been in the studio, like, I was in the studio, like, a year ago, and everyone thinks, like, oh, man, Chuck's just sit on his record, and it's like, nobody's even thinking about the record, but I think everybody's thinking about it. Yeah, you stay up at night being like, they, yeah, they're, they're making, your, your life's a joke, man, and they know it, they know yeah, it. dude, yeah, no, I, uh, I'm actually really glad that that, yeah, I've been able to quiet the, the the voices at night lately, which is really nice. But yeah, totally. I, that's exactly the type of spinning out I do. And now it's just like, dude, I don't know. Start work on your YouTube channel. Record some more episodes of the podcast while you wait on See, the maybe, record. Maybe to that's come what out. I like. Like it's like because I I started like um, I mean I started a book podcast earlier in the year and COVID bug and like the COVID depression. It's like. I I don't know what it was, you know, like I, I, I just, I, I couldn't do it. And then I'm just like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll make videos. It's like, I, and, and, and like, I'm, I've given myself so many excuses during this whole COVID thing. And it's usually because I work with other people. You, you, you've been singular for forever. And I mean, you work yeah. with a lot of people. You like, you, you, you have your band, you have everybody, but, uh, but for the most part, you do all your own videos, you all, you do your own content and everything like that. I've, I've never, I've never done any of that, learned any of that. And so I, I've, I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to, I tried podcasting and it's like, and I love books. I love books a shit ton, but I don't know if I really want to talk about them. <laughs> like, yeah. like, really, it's just like, I thought it was super, like, this is, this is what interests me. I like to talk about it and I do, but man, like, it's like to be like, okay, hey, we're going to do this episode about this. I'm going to talk about this. It's like, I don't know. Like, I, I like, I, it's like, even though I love it, like, I, it just doesn't, didn't seem right for me i don't know how to explain it you know like, yeah no i, I get because it because i listen to podcasts religiously man i just cleaned the whole house today fucking and and listen to podcasts all day yeah. and um and i and and i'm passionate about you know even music or 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 books or anything like that and it's just man i did three episodes and i'm like man it's a lot of work <laughs> i uh i hear what you mean and uh what my advice on that, if you would like advice, I hate giving unsolicited advice. So, oh man, um, well, okay, I'd love advice from you. Um, my is just like, at least, especially with podcasting, what I've found is just like make it as easy as possible for you to put out an episode because the standard the standards are so low, and I'm not saying put out. <laughs> I'm not saying to put out garbage, but it's just like no, absolutely you're, not, get it. you're not sitting there and mixing an episode for like a month like you would a song. You know, it's like right, I'm, right. And we're, so- we're recording a phone call right now, so for me, it's just like I got to catch up with my buds, hit record, put on an intro and like the theme song, and bada bing, you know, and like and people bada dig bing. it. You know, people <laughs> dig it, and it's like it's like a fun thing. I got to catch up with my buds and talk with some new people that I never That's met incredible. before. That is yeah. Incredible. So I mean, I don't know, like. Try and make yeah. I don't. I don't know the. How do you make it more conversational and and like you know less less work or 
to where it is more fun. And maybe that's know? it. Maybe maybe that's it. It's just the format or something. But I, I don't know, man. Like I, like um, I mean, uh, going back to you, like making your own content, content, like we were saying about solo music. Uh, like I write all the music and everything, but I, I call upon like so many people. It's like I, there's so many bells and whistles in my head. If if it's not there, the, these songs can't stand on their own two legs. And maybe you know I'm a little bit harsh on myself, but. I, much like yourself, you you know a lot of fucking good musicians. Why would I totally. solo on this if I know the guy who can do it? You know. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's multiple answers for that. As and as I've I, as I've gotten more, um, like further along in my career, it's like yeah, there's there's definitely it's a. I mean, I guess it's a situational thing because like sometimes, like I'm just. I like to record lead guitars as like a challenge to myself because all growing up, my friends were always the better guitarist than me. Right. And so, so now, and like now they don't really play music that much anymore or, you know, it, it's like more how funny now that kind of works. All of the people who were better than you just went and got real jobs or something. And, but Hey, we can learn it. We can learn it. They, they, they can, they can go, you know, they can, they can do their thing. I'm happy for them. But, uh, yeah, for sure. It's just like, it's a challenge for me to be now be like, I've been playing guitar for over 20 years and I think I'm pretty good at it now, but you know, like it's, it's something that I'm like, I don't really think of myself as a lead guitarist. So I'm going to play all the lead on my record because I because I want to now, you know, I like I want to think of myself as more than just what I currently am. Does that when, make when sense? When did you start playing lead? What um, in, in um, um, say if you take the song "Town Where I'm From," did you did you do all the lead on that or? Uh, that's all uh, pedal steel. So that was uh, um, uh, John Rauhaus, uh, who's uh, he's dude, he's like a legend. He's so good. Yeah, that that was uh, that, that, that's my favorite song. He's so incredible, man. Oh, thank you, dude. Yeah, he's he's a legend. He like tours with Nico Case and has like no way. With, yeah, so he he just happens to live in Phoenix and is buds with Bob, who produced that record. And so I hired him as a session guy. He also did all this stuff on Fifty Cent Smile. That's so cool. I'd love to have him on the podcast one of these days because John just he's a G. He's one of those like. So I want to get back to like your story. I don't want you to interview me too much, but <laughs> but John's just I'm, I'm like, so much of a talker that, that we're gonna have so many fucking circle around him. Like, no, you. I, I have a question for you too, Wildcat. <laughs> which is great. Yeah, totally. But I, I definitely got. I definitely want to let. I mean, people who listen to this podcast kind of know me. I, I want people to get to know you a little better. So, um, but I will say about John is that like. Like, I remember when I was first got, and this might be a good place to start with your story, but, like, when I first got a guitar and started taking guitar lessons, there was this, this dude named Craig who was, like, kind of a burnout, doing lessons in the back of, like, this uh, uh, furniture store. So the coolest guy in the world is what you're telling me. Oh, he, dude, Bert, Craig's the shit. Like, I'm not talking <laughs> shit. He's, I'm probably Craig. Like, <laughs> um, but he... Uh, I remember, like, when he found out I was into Led Zeppelin, he started just trying to teach me Led Zeppelin songs every week, and I didn't know how to play guitar hardly, but it was just cool to watch him play them. And so he'd be sitting there, like, just shredding, and I just got this, like, shit-eating grin on my face, like, holy shit, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know that feeling when you watch someone do something you really, really want to know how to do, and you just, like, 
get you just like inspired and in, in awe. Yeah, yeah, yo, yeah, in awe. Like man, all the all the fucking time, all the fucking that, time. I'm surrounded by like, geniuses. It's 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 maddening. Oh yeah, no, and that that was the entire like three or four hours that I was in the studio with John Rawhouse while he was playing on those two songs on Cesarea. <laughs> was me just watching him with like this grin on my face, like. Oh my God! This guy is the coolest person I've ever been in a room and with. And he's throwing Holy down shit. on your record. And he's like, "What are the changes on that?" And he's like, and I'm like, before I can tell him, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's a C." And, and I was like, <laughs> "Like, do you know? I don't know. I just write the dumb thing." <laughs> but anyway, so I wanted to, so like you did you grow up in Spanish Fork, Utah? You mentioned that's where you went to high school. Um, that's that's tell, where. Tell me about so, like where's where's Regan born? Uh, well, I mean, technically, I, I mean, I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, but um, parents moved to American Fork um, when I right after when I was like two. Lived there till like I was about ten, and right before I started high school, I moved to um, Utah County. So I was about thirteen. I mean, um, um, Spanish Fork. So I was about thirteen when I moved to Spanish Fork. Went to middle school, high school, and then left at seventeen. So. But that was the bulk of where I played music. That's where I met Shane. That's where I met, you know, you know, all, all the people that would eventually be my bandmates and everything like that. So, like, uh, even though that was a short amount of time, that's usually the amount of time that I like. I mean, I, I played. I played uh, my first band when I was like twelve. We played Green Day covers. Like, we don't need to talk about that. Um, but when I moved to Spanish Forks, that's when uh, music started really, you know, playing shows, writing real songs, shit like that. And that. Uh... So when do you pick up a guitar, though? So you're playing Green Day covers even before that? Oh, um, so my older sister, um, she, she's been into punk music for a long time. Um, I, uh, she was into, like, Flag and Dead Kennedys, bands that I'd eventually get into, but at the time I'm like, you know, so, I mean, fucking what? I was, like, fucking, like, eight, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is weird. But then, you know, she's, she's like, angry. Green Day. Yeah, it's like, oh, this isn't, this isn't nice. What? But uh, so uh, I, I really, you know, got my chops like everybody else, like Green Day, Blinkway too. But uh, my my older sister uh, got a guitar and she played guitar and she loved punk music and uh, so I, I I thought she was the coolest fucking person. I thought she was so fucking cool. So I got a guitar when I was like eight and um, my mom had me play lessons. She can only afford um, a year, and so for a year I kind of. I, I never learned chords. I didn't learn anything. The first thing I learned was Sp- the Star Spangled Banner. Um, oh, nice. Uh, Jimi Hendrix version? Oh, yeah. You, I wish. Like, I'm fucking <laughs> there going, ding, 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 ding. Like, like, that's how I play that for a long time. Um, but uh, so I, I never learned chords. They, they kind of taught me a few things, but really it was more like almost like babysitting and because uh, it was so gotcha, little. Yeah. Um, and gotcha. so um, after that year was over, um, I kind of started just teaching myself playing to those, uh, you know, those, those those songs like by Green Day or something. Learned, taught myself a power chord, of course, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, then started playing like that. Um, started covering a bunch of shit as a kid. And um, eventually I uh, was in um, art class in junior high. And um, this kid, who was a grade younger than me that just came in, had an Op Ivy shirt. And I'm like, no fucking way. No fucking way. Some kid who's younger than me fucking has an Op Ivy shirt fucking in Spanish Fork. This is so cool. And uh, it turns out he played drums and we talked and it's like, we should jam. 
And eventually he's like, um, man, I uh, – oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself, Wildcat. Um, okay. <laughs> so there was also this other kid who um, walked around with those, like, shorts that go down to your ankles, had, like, a Green Day kiss me on punk. Even though I love Green Day, this, this is what this is about the time that I was becoming a real punk, okay? Uh-huh. What, what year is it? Time. So it's, like, 19 – like, was it, like, 99, <laughs> 2000, 2001? How old do you think I am? I, I was thinking you're my age. Well, you're you're younger than me. Sorry. I'm 31. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. You're, so this is like 2002, 2003. Yeah. 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 Okay, Around cool. yeah, that, that we're getting a little closer. 90. Uh, I I moved in 2002 there. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. 99 is like when I started skateboarding and discovered like the Get Up Kids and. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, like and Nirvana. You know, like Nirvana gotcha. and the Get Up Kids and Modest Mouth in like the same year. It was a weird. Year. Oh, good. Good year. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really good year. It was a weird year, but it was a good one. <laughs> so I, I, I saw this kid, and it's like he was a, gra- a grade younger than me. And um, Wildcat, I've always hated violence. I've never been a bully. I've never – I still hate it. Um, but I kind of picked on this kid, right? And I thought it was like a poser and shit. And mm-hmm. um, so anyway, uh, back to I, – I go to – this, this guy is like, you know, let's, uh, let's play drums. Come to my house, I already have a band going. So I get there early, and the first person to walk through that fucking door, man, was that kid that I fucking was given such a hard time. And turns out, 16 years later, Wildcat, that's Shane Augustus. <laughs> that's, really? uh, the, yeah, Shane from Problem Daughter. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've known him since he was 13 years old. And... Yeah. Um, and, uh, again, I've never, like, hazed him to a point. But, like, you know, I was kind of like his, like, you know, like, oh, this kid scares me. And now he's, like, six foot two and I'm five five. So, like, who fucking yeah. cares? He could destroy me. Um, oh, but it's that's funny because that's how, that's how, and that's how the Plated Movement started. And um, oh, we, yeah, yeah. And Erica came later. Uh, she was already there in the band, but she was the last person to show up. And that's how I met Erica. Um, still, we're all, I mean, great friends um so anyway that 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 that's kind of how i got started in playing music that's when we started writing songs together um uh-huh. playing shows we played the big ass show um when we were like 16 and oh, um, really? yeah yeah and this, um, was, so this band is uh is this problem daughter have you guys been together like all these years or is it so so, so this like... is the band before problem daughter this is this okay. is a band that like uh we were young kids um you know just just playing shows. Didn't really even play in Salt Lake City a lot of the times. If it was, it was for like X ninety six and the radio. We were like a radio like band. Like what, it was what like was the name know, of the band. Play Dead Movement, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it was called the Play Dead Movement, and we um yeah we we uh, yeah we we're on live and local and all that stupid shit. Not oh, stupid. Nice. I, I mean, wish we still had it. So I didn't grow up in Salt Lake. So. Um, oh really. Yeah, I'm from Arizona. So like when I uh, I moved there at like age 19, so a lot of the stuff I I like kind of knew and then my I had a band like in Arizona and like kind of in Salt Lake we played some shows cuz I was in college there um for a bit like during like the MySpace days. But yeah, so like yeah, so this would have been before my time. That's why I find it really interesting cuz yeah, I didn't know anything about this stuff. 
Yeah, we, uh, so it was like, um, I mean, we didn't do anything. Our parents, like, I'm um, not my parents. My parents were not involved. Um, but like, you know, it was like, it was like a parent's band. Like they made it, like they, they controlled the finances. We were like, you know, kids who played like, I don't know, fucking, it was like, it was like a, like a cultivated band almost, you know? Oh, really? And, okay. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, we started as punk kids, but our parents took it like, well, their parents, again, my, again, I wish my parents were involved, but they didn't give a shit. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. But um, there, yeah, there two of the members' parents usually took care of it and um, ran it and everything. And um, once that dissolved, um, I, I saw the writing on the walls. Actually, I started a new band. Um, about like even before we really broke up, which our last show was at Bert's Tiki Lounge, by the way. Um, oh, Bert's, may it rest in yeah. peace. Yeah, for, fucking real, right, man. I remember seeing Gaslight Anthem, which I will bring up when we, you and I went and saw Gaslight Anthem. Uh, I, got, I got that written in my notes, yeah. That was like 10 years ago. Yeah, which is crazy. And if you want to go even farther than that, we met when we worked at Urban Outfitters together when I was like 20 or 19. Yeah, I was like 21. I had just moved back to Salt Lake and my, my band had just broken up and I was like, I had no skills. So I, I was like, I got full t-shirts. Fuck yeah, that's how I was. I mean, I went from Hot Topic to, you know, all the, I I, that, that, I was fucking in my teens, so I was fucking going run the gamut of all those shows. I mean, all oh, those yeah. stores. Yeah, but, man, um, that's, so yeah, yeah, go, take me, so you say, I mean, if you, and you can you share whatever you feel comfortable with, but like, your parents didn't want anything to do with this, like, what, what's your family life like, and how many siblings do you have? You mentioned your older sister, who's really into punk rock, like, um, so, my my family uh, dynamic has always been a little strange. Um, classic, you know, dad leaves the family at like eight, you know, like um, I, uh, four kids in the family. I'm, um, my brother is actually, and I think it's actually derogatory, so it's, but an, an Irish twin. So my brother is less than a year older than me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've got, so I don't know. We've, we've got a sibling that's. I, I feel like one of my siblings are like they're that close together, but I don't know. I don't pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're my brother and I are less than a year old so apart, so we we grew up almost as twins. Um, that didn't look exactly alike, you know, of course. Um, but um, so shared the same room, everything. Uh, poor kid, shit. Um, never had to buy clothes for me in my life because my brother would just grow out of it. Um, but my older uh-huh. sister, yeah, she she kind of took the helm, like raised the kids kind of thing, where my mom worked at nights and everything. Um, so yeah, we that that's kind of how that, that dynamic went. My mom was actually she's always been and still is very involved with my art and everything. Um, uh-huh. So even though it's like you know these these families, I shouldn't say that you know they were apart. She was very supportive, but when I say that there was families that ran the band, my mom was yeah. not part of that you know yeah yeah no okay i'm just happy you're having fun reek you know kind of thing yeah totally no that okay that makes sense yeah i just was was uh trying to paint great supportive mother great supportive mother uh, raised by incredibly strong women that's a hundred percent um but uh the 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 fathers yeah yeah my stepdad and uh my real dad um failures a hundred (laughs) percent yeah that's that's it can be a pretty common thread dad Dad's got a lot of shit to figure out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't but, know. Uh, uh, Wildcat, not, not, um, can we put one pin in this so I can hurry and take a uh, bathroom break? Yeah, go for it. One second. I, I just wanted to say put a pin so it's easy for editing. Yeah.
Bam! Right here. Okay, give me one second. Yeah, no problem. And I'm back. Oh, he's back. I'm back. All right. Cool. Um, so, so anyway, that, that's the that's the kind of the family dynamic. So. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. That that makes sense. Paints a little better of a picture for the the listeners. Um, and so you're the remind me the name of the band that was you know kind of the parents ran it and whatnot. So it was called the Play Dead Movement. Play Dead being one word. Play Dead Movement. Very very stupid young kid name. Um, but yeah yeah it was a. Uh, it's funny because yeah, right before we broke up, yeah, like fucking uh, you know, um, fucking playing on X ninety six, doing like interviews and shit like that, and it was it was mainly like a like a like a, and it was fun as hell. Don't get me wrong, but it was a it was a fake ass band. Uh huh. Yeah. Like the 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 Utah County punk rock monkeys kind of. I, dude, that is a great way to put it. That is a fucking fantastic way to put that. Yeah. I should. I would have made a lot more money with a marketing career, but I fucking <laughs> listened to too much Bill Hicks growing up. <laughs> um, well, it's funny. It's funny because it's like the parents didn't. They didn't make it. They just saw an opportunity and took it. Yeah. No. Definitely. Well, and sometimes at that age, it's really interesting because at that age, like for, like I, I had friends that I jammed with and we, you know, played shows. And it wasn't until high school that we actually like were really like trying to play play shows and whatnot. You know, we're in a small town in the middle of nowhere, so we, we can only do so much. But the bands that I saw in that time that were, like, seeing some form of success or really starting to take off were the ones that, like, either a parent or an older person who, with some sort of business savvy or know-how or some just outside person being like, hey, you got something here. Let me, like, help you. Um, because, you know, none of us that are born – or none of us that, you know, love writing songs or playing music are really have the best vision for how to make money off that music. It just Right, right. And honestly, honestly a, if, if my parents would let me stay there, uh, if, like if I didn't have to move, fuck, you would see me just pumping that shit out, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, paying rent definitely puts a damper on being able to, uh, or like selling your labor. Five. <laughs> yeah, selling your labor puts a damper on being able to create shit. Hundred um, percent. But uh, okay, so this is so the band breaks up, um, and you're you're what age at this point? Uh, I'm about eighteen, and okay. uh, so and concurrently, uh, my stepbrother, who was the only good thing to happen out of my dad leaving, actually no, my stepmom, um, she, who actually passed. It's, it's all right. Um, just two years that. ago, um, yeah, it's, she. So I was blessed with two great mothers and two horrible fathers. Um, but my stepmom, my step family, is fucking amazing. And um, did you ever know that punk band uh, a couple years ago called Benzetti Crime? Yeah, yeah, that that sounds really familiar. So, so which is funny because actually the lead singer is now my writing partner in solo shit and country shit. So, uh, oh really? Um, so him, but uh. So my stepbrother was a guitarist for Vanzetti Crime, and they were like a ska punk in Salt Lake City um, band. And um, they were breaking up right when my band was breaking up, and I knew Trey, the drummer, for so long that I'm just like, hey, my band's breaking up. You want to be the drummer? And um, I don't want to do any more of this stupid-ass shit. I want to play more like, you know, like 
like I was super into Dead to Me at the time. That that record's band still. I love that band. I mean, anything Jack the Ripple touches is my fucking. It's one as far as punk and rock and roll goes, I'm just. Megan, all you, over you, it. you cut out for a second. What? Oh. You you wanted to do your band was breaking up and and you told Trey what? What did you tell Trey? Oh, so I, I didn't want I didn't want to be uh, a part of like this like fake ass kind of like live on the streets fucking you know like fucking punk music which uh-huh. I'm not a, you know that was just a, that facade that was just faux bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, w- I was really into Dead to Me the band that Fat Records band at the time. Okay. And um, and, and still am I like I like Jack anything Jack the Ripple touches um, I'm I'm all over it. Um, but uh, I was just like I'm gonna move to bass. And um, uh, we should start a new band, which is funny that I said. Uh, so uh, we played that that uh, thing in Utah, the big ass show, right? Uh-huh. My old band. So we played the main stage right before we played with um, a band called um, Head Automatica. Oh and yeah, I remember Head Automatica. So they were coming on right after us. We were just opening up for them, and stagehands were throwing shit like crazy, like like got to get everything out of here. So mm-hmm. they're throwing everything. A week later, we get to band practice, and it's like, and Erica, who plays bass for the Play to Movement, was like, this is my bass. Um, whose bass case is that? And we were like, I don't know. It's also locked. So we broke it open, and it's this, like, 60-something, like, Fender P bass. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we're just like, that's not any of ours. So uh, we, we tra- track it down. Turns out we actually well not us it was fucking stagehands we actually stole head head out of Mac's bass and oh, um, no. yeah no and reached out reached out um to their management and it's like hey that's kind of like a backup bass don't fucking even worry about it and for eight years of Problem Daughter I played on head out of Mac's bass so <laughs> really yeah wow so, yeah yeah so uh, that was uh, that was my bass that was my first bass. Yeah, that was my very first bass that I played in a band was uh from Head Automatica. And um so thanks guys if you if you ever hear this and there's like, Wait, our manager didn't tell us I will tell you, hey, somebody emailed us back and said I can keep it, so <laughs> Damn. Well that that's yeah. a big come up. Yeah, yes. Yeah. We we uh, so Trey and I um started playing. I was actually playing guitar but I wanted to play bass and I just wanted to move completely over to the bass. And I wanted to play more heartfelt. Like I wanted to write songs, like you know, like uh, like that are meaningful. I wanted to, at least to me, you know, like and try harder with lyrics and things like that. Uh, not more of like the three chord structure, you know, which is fine actually. I, I'm now resorting more to like less is more kind of of songwriting lately. Um, but yeah, um, totally. I feel yeah, like it kind like, of ebbs and flows throughout one's life, where and which is it's like an important thing to to remember is like. Because for so many years I was trying to write music that was complicated enough that other musicians would think I was a good musician because I was insecure, and now I or, or I that would just... be enough. Like that would be enough. It's like my songs don't need to be the best as long as they're complicated. <laughs> yeah, totally. It, it was like this weird combination of of like insecurity and also confidence. I, I I don't know. But then now it's like, oh man, how do I make things more simple? more simple? Exactly, yeah. man. And that's so, so it's so funny how hard that is that you can write a complicated song, but if you want to write a song like 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 a like a Dylan classic where it's just a fucking really long verse over and over again, fuck, I can't do it without it sounding like bullshit. 
Oh, totally. Well, it's like, the, yeah, because the, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Fuck. <laughs> you know, like, and he's just, like, fucking, like, 16, 17 when he writes that line, and it just, like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try and write that line, because you try and write that line, and you're not Bob Dylan, you just sound like an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you sound like a fucking dickhead. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. It, um, yeah, it's very interesting. But that's that is a really that's a the basis of country music and punk rock and why they're so interchangeable. I think is in the simplicity and the attitude. Absolutely, absolutely. So so many people are so weird when it's like you know, which isn't so weird when you like. Uh, I mean, when you know like the punk community and stuff. Like, there's so many people who go to folk or something. But uh, the people oh, right. who don't really are aren't a part of that. Like, it's it, that that uh, that. Uh, the, the, the dichotomy of, of of punk and country, they're just like, how does that exist? And I'm like, yeah. it's the same fucking thing. You're still oh, getting totally. fucked up. You're doing drugs. You're playing songs. You're on the road. Everything sucks. Like, it's the same. Yeah. You typically <laughs> come from, like, working class, like most the <laughs> exactly. folk artists. You know, like, it's – and that's – oh, man, I love that meme that was going around, I want to say, the summer. I've seen it a couple times during, like – like police violence uprisings and uh it's like because you know all these country music fans now are like back the blue and you know thin blue line and all that which is so fucking dumb bullshit it's like it's called outlaw country for a reason yeah yeah bootlicking country isn't isn't a thing outlaw country is a fucking thing no no and it's right there in the name and they're probably being like well, I don't know how Merle would think about this i'm like i will tell you what Merle would think about this he would think it's awful and fuck you yeah, I yeah, totally. It's like uh yeah, the I mean, uh, you listen to Cocaine and Rhinestones if you listen to that podcast at all? I haven't. Oh, it's great. It's how like they have one about how uh um how Oki from Muskogee is like actually like not it it's it means the opposite of what people think it means, you know, like cuz they they take it as this like small town like like simple life prideful song and it's really just making fun of like ignorant fucking country. Kind of like how, how the people who adopt <laughs> this land is your land as like it's like yeah but it's like an anti-immigrant song where it's just like no you're fucking idiots this is like or like you take dead Kennedy songs like you know and it's just like you know it's like the people who are just like yeah th- I, I, I like punk that talks about you know eradicating of human rights like if you don't get this as satire I can't even explain to you how, like, or even speak to how stupid you are. Yeah, totally. If you're using Dead Kennedys um, songs as, like, pro, like, white national ideas, <laughs> it's just like, come the fuck on, come on. Those, and, and it's like, dude, that's why, I, part of why I moved to Salt Lake City and, like, got into punk rock was, like, I was Mormon and I saw... Salt Lake City punk, but I was living in Arizona. And dude, I, my sister, my sister smoked that for me. Like so, oh, really? wow, that's so funny. So that's another like a uh, precursor to all of this, is that yeah, I, 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 the funny thing is my family we never went to church or anything. I was baptized Mormon, uh-huh. um, actually in the Stanlot when they're riding all those rides at Steel Days in American Fork. You can see uh-huh. where I was baptized in the background. Really? And uh, so yeah, I'm baptized Mormon. We never really practiced or did anything. I think it was more of like that's just what we did, and I didn't question anything. Um, Here, but, you, you, uh, cut out, you cut out again uh, when oh, you said where you got baptized in, in the Sandlot. But you, so you, uh, you're saying something about you just you guys just went you didn't go to church that much. 
Yeah, so we, we never went to church. We never did anything. I got I got baptized Mormon, so technically I'm part of the record. Oh, but yeah, um, right. like so it was easy for me. Whereas Shane was like, you know, when he got old enough, he's like, I'm expunging all this, which totally makes sense if it was like a thing. But it's like it's such it was such a minuscule part of my life. Like technically, I I was a Mormon, but I didn't go to scouts. I didn't fucking might. I never went to church. I never fucking did any of that. So Salt Lake City was you know like um you know or even just living in Utah the Mormon thing wasn't a huge part of my life but my my sister snuck me um when I was super young uh a VHS of SLC punk and yeah that solidified that like yeah man like fucking like like you're being like lied to man it's like fucking going to junior high just n- not understanding why he got kicked out for having a shirt that's like dead kennedys with like a gun pointing to the statue of liberty and shit like oh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, the my my Mormon friends and their parents and my parents weren't super stoked on my punk rock phase, and a lot of that was due to. Well, it's funny because I'm kind of like still you in my phase. punk rock. You're still yeah, you're still yeah, yeah. in it. Like there's but, no phase. Well, I guess phase. it was like was when I got like when I took the the punk rock pill in like sixth grade and started skateboarding. <laughs> It was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. The anti-red pill. The anti-red pill. Anti-red pill. And it's not yeah, the blue the, pill. The cause, good cause pill cause to the take. De- yeah. It's not the blue pill because the Democrats can also eat exactly. my shit. Exactly. The punk pill. That was the third um, one that Morpheus handed out. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's uh, – dude, that's, that's really interesting that you were like – what was it like being – like growing up in Utah County and like being – inactive as they say um so the only time that i've ever witnessed anything weird is that uh i had a my first drummer actually when i was like 12 his name was jordan his dad was a mormon bishop and um we had to sneak hanging out and jamming and shit because my mother was a single mother and we were non-practicing so that's the only time that i've ever felt any sort of like mormon guilt like like you can't hang out with the bad people or you know like you know anything like that but we still hung out and his dad ended up fucking like having an affair with like another one of my friends in the wards moms so uh yeah so i never felt bad like it's like (laughs) i always knew you were shitty now everybody knows you're shitty thought i was shitty i ain't shitty i was just a kid (laughs) yeah dude i mean it's funny how that works because um and that's really surprising to me that that was the only time you experienced that because i uh, moving to Utah and meeting so many people that that was their entire upbringing or like, you know, was being ostracized for not being active in the Mormon church or being Mormon or whatever. Like I think besides him, I, I, I usually ran around kids who were kind of the same, like that, that fringe Mormon mm-hmm. or just not religious at all upbringing. So okay. like I never, I never saw it. The mostly if I saw it was in school. Gotcha. Like, like I had the option of taking seminar class. I took it because I could fluff it. So, yeah, uh, yeah you you had that class, and it's like a free fluff, like fucking cool. And and, so and fluff means just for anyone listening that's not from Utah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I forget that's school. different because that's just a Utah thing. I didn't know what the fuck that was Shit. when I moved to Utah. Everyone's like, "Yo, we're fluffing class." That. I'm like, "What the fuck does that mean?" I read yeah. that actually. I did. That fluff is like a Utah thing. So yeah, I cut school. Was that was yeah. that how they say it? Yeah, yeah, skipped class or yeah, cut school. I guess would be. Um, 
I was, yeah, we, that's, that's funny. Seminary was, was interesting. Yeah. Because you, I, I never took that class, but I, I had ways of, I had ways of like leaving school without having to. Well, without, eventually they just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Without um, paying the consequences. Yeah. Eventually you, you knew how to do it. Uh, but that was my first intro into just like, oh, fuck, I can just leave this class. I'm going to take that class so we can leave school. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now, I mean, uh, if it was like a 30-minute thing for work, it's like I can take this seminar for work and, like, I can just leave work. It's like that's 30 fucking minutes. What are you going to fucking do, pace your house? Just sit yeah, the fuck sure. down. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. It's uh, Sometimes it's easier to just, like, sit down and get through the day. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so you started this new band. Was this so? This new band is uh, pro, is this kind of what becomes Problem Daughter after this? This becomes Problem Daughter, and um, it's funny that I brought up Dead to Me, that Fat Records band, because they had a song that said something, something, something in their Problem Sons, and I'm like, that's a cool band name, and we thought it was too generic being Problem Sons, so we we called it Problem Daughter Singular, and actually it came from came from that band. Um, okay. So, so eventually, also like it's like I I don't know a lot of people that I trust to, to start from the ground up. So we got Shane. We were three piece for a long time. Um, made some records with Andy Patterson. Do you remember Andy? Oh yeah, yeah, I know Andy. Um, he used to have that studio with Wes Johnson there. Down yeah, there. yeah, on Thirty Third. Yeah, yeah, I, I did the Smoked Salt a lot of pot lot. in that parking lot, buddy. I I <laughs> drank a lot of whiskey and smoked a lot of pot in and around that. <laughs> <laughs> that that whole area ate a lot of burritos at all of the places you could get burritos within uh, a short drive. Uh, yeah, kind of a we, wonderful industrial place. Yeah, yeah, we played. Uh, we recorded the Salt Lake City a Love Story record there, and my the Wild Cat Chuck Charles. Oh, thank you. That's uh, uh, with. Uh, um, why do I want to call him? Oh, uh, yes, yes. Old VD. <laughs> Vincent Draper. Yeah. The Dirty Thirty. Yep. I know shit. Yeah, for sure. So that's uh that's dope. You guys did a couple records with Andy. Um and uh yep. you that's guys based what, um, out of Utah County at this time or did you move up to Salt Lake around then? So we're still in Utah County besides Trey. Trey was our drummer and that's when um that's when I started getting into like shit like like heroin and shit and um oh, for my yeah, my, my early twenties I was just uh uh, I didn't have a job. I was living with my friend, and um, actually, that's when I started playing folk music out of nowhere. It was mostly through like a heroin haze, and uh, with my friend that was also dabbling. And um, mm-hmm. so for a couple years, that that's kind of what we did. I, we made two records around that time, um, not really knowing what we're doing. And um, my band was like, you know, Regan's a big boy. He never, they never really intervened until it got kind of fucking. You know, I wasn't able to play shows. I wasn't able to do a lot of things. So um, they gave me the ultimatums. And right when that happened, the guy that actually I was playing folk music with and dabbling there, um, his mom got him a good doctor and got him on, like, Suboxone and shit. Uh So we moved to his older sister's house in um, West Valley. Okay. And um, started – he would – uh, half his uh, suboxone with me, and we were getting clean together. Meanwhile, Problem Daughter was now closer to Problem Daughter besides Shane, so now I only had to drive or get a ride and have a car then. Um, just down to Trey's house where we would practice, where Shane drove up from Utah County, and that was my first intro to like Salt Lake City, around okay. Salt Lake City. And um, 
yeah, eventually, you know, fucking after like three and a half, almost four years, fucking got out of that shit. And um, and right around that, that's when Shane's like, I want to move up and we should all just get a house together. And um, so Shane moves in. We, we move into a place right off 33rd and State, pretty much right around the, the Andy Fatterson studio. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, that's when we started to really um, – that's when we started recording with Joel Pack. Um, that's okay. when, you know, we started actually writing songs that like, it started coming together. Um, one of the guys from, remember that old, I mean, not old, I mean, but I can't guess old at this point. Remember that punk band? Um, oh, fuck, what were they called? Um, can you give fuck. me a hint? Dude, they were like thrash punk. Like they were like, um, negative what? charge. I don't know. It was um fucking. It wasn't Twelfth Street Stragglers or whatever they were. Um. Never say never. Okay. Do you remember that band? Uh, I don't think I've ever listened to them, but I I've definitely seen some T-shirts and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You you don't have to listen to them. Um, our guitarist actually came from there, and that's when we became a four-piece. Okay. Like, yeah, that was like 2012. Um, became a four piece, and that's when we started making those records. Uh, the last three that we made, that um got us, you know, started kicking around the labels, started actually touring. Um, got us a van, started playing like fest and shit. Um, and that that's really since 2000, I would say around 2012. That's kind of when music became kind of more real for me. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. And so this is because I remember I was working at Urban Outfitters 2010 or something like that. That's about around when I when we met, right? Was 2010, yeah, so Pop just about started. Uh, yeah, we were we kind of just started. And uh, honestly, I was probably on heroin when I met you. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, there's a I was like probably six months removed from having a pretty decent pill habit at the time, so gotcha. it seemed to be a pretty common. <laughs> I, I kind of remember. I kind of remember uh, a blonde person that we worked with, and no, I don't remember anybody but you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really funny. Yeah, and I remember working a few days with you, and then you you had to like move back to Utah County or something, or you quit, and I was just like, damn, that I, he was like one of the few people here I liked. That's yeah, my mom shit. actually got breast cancer. Actually. Oh shit. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, that's good. why you had to leave. Yeah, she's, she's, okay. she's good. She's good now. That was a, yeah, fuck. That was, yeah, how, 2010, yeah, 11 years ago. <laughs> Damn. And so you're, uh, what What does this all all look like? Like, uh, you move back to um, to Utah County, like your your mom gets breast cancer, problem daughter starting up, like, how, how do, like, the roles start to assume you're, you're, like I don't know, how do you guys start? Like, how does it just kind of come together? Give me, um, uh, you know, as far as like, because I don't know, um, the different per- like the personality, the band, the idea behind it. Like, you're the front person. Like, do you write all the songs? Like, how, you know, let me know how how it all works. And then, how do you guys start signing with labels and everything? So the First thing that we started, um, so after moving in together and actually, like, riding every day together and doing stuff like that, 
um, really solidifying our sound. Um, we made a, our first, it was only eight songs uh, in 2012 with Joe Pack, a uh, self-titled album that um, we shopped around. Nobody wanted to take it or anything like that. So 2012, we mostly just still played local shows. Um, it wasn't until about 2016 that we uh, started writing a song, uh, writing an album called Fits of Disorganized Boredom, which is a Lolita reference, actually, if we're going to come back around to that. Um, full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, we started writing Fits of Disorganized Boredom, and um, I would write maybe out of the ten songs, eight, and then Shane writes uh, around two. But Shane's uh-huh. songs are like the, the – straight up banger like fucking when you put it out like Brooklyn Vegan puts it out and it's like the single or you know you know things uh-huh. like that like yeah Shane, Shane's definitely that kind of writer where I'm as the I just write all the bulk of it but um um so we started writing this album we were getting to re- put it out sent it everywhere again nobody wanted to touch it and then this guy named Dave Buck who ran Dying Scene um uh website um so like I've kind of made a record label like to put this record out and so we we did it with him and uh just that connection got us our first east coast tour with uh direct hit and pew 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 from canada mm-hmm. and um so bought a van went out there drove from salt lake city to cincinnati that was our first show no shows in between and uh just drove straight to cincinnati and um play it played great tour first 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 kind of thing that we've ever done and then after that, a consistent just, you know, hopping on, especially with Direct Hit. That was kind of like our our, our guys. Like, they they um really kind of just took us everywhere they kind of went. So like kind of like if you could show up, you can go on this tour kind of thing, which was super, yeah, very yeah. grateful. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah like, for okay, sure. Yeah, 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 I'll quit my job right now. Fuck it. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, so we started doing that, eventually start playing, like, fests and things, and um, – yeah, that's kind of where right before COVID started, where where our, our, our journey ended for the time being. Is our, our last show was um, Fest um, 2019, um, and ever since then, just everybody's just sitting at home, writing songs by themselves, thinking about different things. You know, I uh, I took this time to just kind of just teach myself how to play guitar better and do more solo things and not rely on so many people, but. Um, you know, it, 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 it's just you know, it's it, it's hard, and it, it when when you're so comfortable being like this this guy, like I I never have to be, especially when it came to prom daughter. I, I loved being in the position where I could write a song, and then I didn't have to worry about a damn because I knew the drums would be great. I knew the uh, whatever Shane would add to it would be great. I knew the leads would be great because of Tyler. I knew all mm-hmm. of this shit, and um, and so so that was around that time that like you know things were coming together um you know with the direct hit stuff i eventually which <laughs> i don't know why um i i got hit up by we played with them there's a band in, from san diego called western setting mm-hmm. and um they were like hey um can you play lead guitar in europe i'm like oh i don't play lead they're like oh you'll be fine can you do it and i'm like yeah i mean i can do it but um whatever yeah, I'm so, not a lead guitarist. <laughs> yeah, man. So, so um, for a month, that was actually the first time I played Fest was with them in 2016. Um, but uh, they 
just just from what Dave Buck did with Dying Scene and going out with Direct Hit, got went with them to Europe. Actually, I lost my identity in Berlin, man. Um, Damn. Yeah. So we how, were, how did but, you do that? What does that well, look like? Well, you, of course, the first thing the first thing is that of course you're being stupid and trying to buy drugs, and mm-hmm. um, you know that doesn't work out. Somebody steals all your money. You get drunk instead and realize that you left your ID, your passport, you all your credit cards and everything at this bar, and um, it's gone. So, yeah, me and this guy, Rick, from Western Settings, then woke up early the next day after playing a show in Berlin, drove and took – not drove. We, we just took trains across Berlin to the U.S. Embassy. And I called my mom. I'm like, hey, I fucked up again. I did it. And uh, they weren't letting us in. My mom calls the U.S. Embassy. They were able to just let us in. I get a temporary passport that every time we go into a different country, they're just like, stop. Who the fuck is this? Because uh, it looks fake as hell. Like, yeah. if you ever get a temporary passport, it looks fake as fuck. And, um, yeah, so fucking that, that's how that year. But that, that's eventually how we played Fest the first time. And then ever since 2016, Problem Daughter has been played consistently. Um, but ever since COVID, yeah, nothing this year. We were supposed to play uh, a Fest in Montreal. We were supposed to Las Galera in San Diego, Fest again um, in Gainesville. So many different plans, and then just tours around that, and just just gone. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah. No, that's. I didn't have anything official. My my stuff's so DIY and just thrown together that it's like I don't know what I didn't have except it was just like a lot of touring um, that I was planning on doing this year. Yeah, so I need to start I, doing I, things by myself. I can like relate. I, I, this whole pandemic has made me realize how much more I need to be like I just. I need to learn how to do these things alone. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, something you said about um, Problem Daughter is, is you're like, what, what you loved about it for so long is that, you know, you could write a song and you didn't have to worry about the drums or the bass. Like you knew, you knew it was there. It's like, it's hard to explain the relationship of being in a band with some with someone to people who don't know that experience because it's like, it, it it's very similar to like a marriage or a partnership and um and like when when my my old band broke up and it was like an ugly divorce i just was like i'm just going to do it all on my own cuz fuck that like i cuz i don't like one i don't have the time to develop these sorts of relationships with people anymore um because and like i don't want to i don't like want to be that kind of vulnerable you know and it's so it's like you choose the lone wolf life you get the lone wolf life and sometimes that means like I don't know, that means you clean up all the fucking messes. So there's a there's a good part of it. You get all the credit but you clean up all the messes. So like there's I don't know. <laughs> it's good there's and that, it's also there's that bad. give or take there's that give or take kind of thing. Totally. Yeah, but it's hard to develop relationships with people like that as you get older, I feel. Um unless you <laughs> And that's why it was interesting to, or I wanted to ask about how um, Problem Daughters, like how you guys decided on like, you know, who writes the songs or, or like, it's always just like an interesting dynamic to try and decide that. And as you get older and it's not just your friends that you've known since whenever, and you're just like, well, you know, you just like assume you're not going to fuck each other over. 
it's like now if I'm going to start a band with people, we go into it with like an idea of like, what are the terms? What does this look like? How, you know, like you, it's, it's almost like a business. Otherwise you're just like, I'm not here to, I'm not here to fuck around or waste time. Right. Right. And I think it's, it's really just carried on from Shane and I in the play dead movement. We were trying to emulate that Tim and Lars back in the day, you know, of rancid. And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, we both sang, um, and pretty much who wrote the song, wrote the song and who, who sang it. Eventually we'd come to parts where, I'd be like, oh, I have an idea for this part where you sing, and so we'd be writing songs for each other and stuff like that. But um, it kind of just carried on from our last band where Shane and I just sing songs together, and um, I mean, I don't have a lot of things going on, so I write a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. So that's probably where the bulk of it comes from. That's uh, that's that's cool. That's uh, um, seems like a really like solid like good working relationship and it's like it's a blessing to have found that with someone it, it certainly has especially coming from being his bully when we were kids and uh you know just now now relying on somebody so much to make music with and uh just i mean we still talk every day like being best friends you know like inseparable when it comes to even even during a pandemic just texting mm-hmm. and calling each other and being together like that it's uh definitely been a pretty cool like you know uh as other relationships you know come and go that to just have a friend that's always been there so yeah i've always appreciated that boy yeah no those those are the ones that that you know will the ones that have been there that long and been through that much shit you know will always be there yeah but yeah absolutely man it's hard to find those guys but when you do yeah it, it it is it is hard to find them and and yeah i do I am very grateful when I can when I look around and I think about the people I have in my life like that. Um, I want to ask you if you, if you don't mind doing a quick lightning round. I have uh, some just like pretty pretty easy questions, but I want to ask you like what what's your favorite thing about playing music? Uh, favorite thing? Um, I mean, you can't deny. I think everybody would say that you know you you. you how magical it is to roll into a town you haven't been to and somebody can, even if it's one person like just singing your songs like that is mm-hmm. the, probably the most magical thing that I've ever uh, experienced in my life right. but um also also I don't I don't know if it's just a just a weird thing but um when you get so comfortable in a band and you're having fun and you're like enjoying the moment you're on stage and then halfway through a song you feel like you're in a dream and you realize this is reality have you ever had that happen Oh yeah, yeah. I have the. We're just like, oh like, shit! I'm playing a song. This is for, for fucking real. And if I do not play the next verse, like this is all gonna fuck up. And just like that tingling feeling, it's like, wait, is this my life right now? This is yeah. rad. This is great. <laughs> totally, dude. I I have those feelings a lot. Like mostly when I'm on the road, and uh, and it's not just the, like it shows, but sometimes you're just driving and like. And you're, you know, there's like, you're driving and you're listening to Minus the Bears, Planet of Ice, and it's like Idaho in March, and there's just like snow-capped mountains in the distance, and you're like smoking a joint, and just everything just in the universe just makes perfect sense, or you're just, you know, it's just like, I don't know, you just hit hit that frequency where you're like, I don't know, that's, sometimes I'm just like, dude, that's what magic is, like when you're in the pocket with your band, like, that's. Like, I, I think that's what I'm describing, exactly that, where it, it seems like you have to be awakened from the moment to be like, hey, this isn't like a stuck-in-time thing. This is happening right now. It's like, oh, God, 
oh, God, I actually got to play and uh, move my legs and sing and stuff. Yeah, totally. And if and you're like in that weird state where you're like, and if I think too hard about any of it, I'm gonna fuck it all fuck up it so, up. Yeah. so fast. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've done this a million times, but like sometimes it's or it's like, dude, I, I like do my best not to make eye contact with people watching me play because like it's inevitably so I make eye contact with someone, I just forget a lyric. Like it just like. <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. It's a head thing, man. It's, a head thing. it's funny that you also say that you get that while you're driving because uh, I uh, I didn't I didn't I wasn't the main driver when we were in our van, but uh, lately uh, for the past year I've been dating this girl uh, um, from Chicago, mm-hmm. and since um, COVID I don't I'm not gonna fucking fly, so I've been just driving every time chance I get that that 21 hour drive. And oh shit. I, I have experienced that where you're listening to a song and you fucking made your playlist, then fucking like Coulter Wall or something comes on and you're in Nebraska or something and you're just like, yeah. I am not living in a movie, Regan. You've got to drive because if you fucking wreck, you're dead, first of all. <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, that's a – man, first of all, I've made that drive um, and I actually have a lyric about that drive and a – I've got like two songs about that drive on my next the high eighty, baby. Dude, yeah, um, yeah, man. I had a very, uh, I I had a you know like a the opposite of what we're talking about happen on that drive when I'm in I'm in a snowstorm in Nebraska trying to get to Chicago. I'm trying to drive through the night, but I'm wa- and I'm watching cars just like slide off the road left and right all around me and I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to make it to Chicago. I'm going to fucking make it. I'm going to fucking make it. Cause my mental health is just like on the brink of like, it, there's just like <laughs> nothing left of me as a person. And my, my two sisters are in Chicago and I'm like, I know if I can see them, then I'm like a real person again. If, and, as long as you can make it. Yeah. You're a ghost. You're a skeleton. You are not a, you're just a shell of a being until you can make it there until you make it there. There's just gas station coffee and you needing to getting pissed off that you need to stop to take a piss. Yeah, no, and it, it was and like in the middle of the night I, I had to stop and get a hotel because it's like I'm gonna die. It, like if you keep driving, you're gonna die. And as much as you want to die, like you don't want to die. You don't want to, yeah. There's that, always know? that part of you until you you're in the opportunity to do it. And it's like, yeah, I'll do it maybe next time, but not yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, for real. That's uh. That's that's a real thing. That's a, that's the other side of what we deal with, you know, like the, with with the really good side of like that high, the high you get from playing a great show or everything like that, or being on the road or having having the music just hit the right way on the right highway. Like there's that the self-loathing. You you're a piece of shit. You're not doing enough. You're not fucking. You're not. Yeah, you're. Not yeah, everyone, everyone you've ever met has. Like you're letting them down. You're, 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 you've been, you know, you've been asking everyone you, you know, since high school to buy fucking t-shirts with your name printed on them. Like you're a fucking hack. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. I have, I have about a hundred records of a solo album I made that never sold. But hey, if you anybody wants them, yeah, you, know, you just you just message old rig. <laughs> so you got to keep keep playing keep playing shows when shows are allowed to be a thing again. <laughs> yeah, and so, honestly, it's the same box that I had when we played back in when we played in February. Oh man, was that last February? Was that when we played fucking uh, my favorite bar, ABGs? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I want to say it was either then or 
um, last December. Yeah, it was around. Yeah, it was around this time last year we yeah. played on our last show together. Yeah, yeah, that was damn. That was a year ago, and uh, so what? Other than or like you know how how do you deal with the the volatility or the ups and downs the of of being an artist and like how the life can one day you can have, be on this high and doing really great. And then all of a sudden you're at this low, um, you know, like, like what, what tricks have you learned or, or what are your methods? You know, mine used to be just fucking drink about it. And my, and I can't really do that anymore. So, you know, I've got my own ways of coping. What do you, what do you do these days? So, um, for, for all of this, um, you know, besides, you know, how am I doing with this? Not well, um, but, uh, I actually, um, this time, this is when, um, so the, the girl that I'm seeing now, we actually are about a year now, um, known each other. She, she does like, um, covers bands and things. She runs, um, the website, the bad copy. Um, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Kendra sheets. Um, so we've been dating since fest of last year. That's when we, uh, last, uh, that's when we kind of solidified it right, right before the pandemic and everything. And, um, and so started dating right before it happened, saw her, flew out there in March, right when we started hearing about COVID and everything. And, um, that's, and then shortly after that just shut down. And, um, so at first it was seeming really great, um, you know, things like that. Um, but, uh, honestly, I, I, right before COVID as well, around that time, I decided and I told her that I, I'm going to start going to AA and I'm going to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, just, I mean, cause not just drugs, alcohol for the past four years. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not the only part. Uh, I was the only part. I'm just not going to talk about my ex-wife, but I got a divorce because of, for my part, because of alcohol, like, you know, like kind of just for the last four years, just got off drugs and started drinking like a fucking motherfucker. And um, so started going to AA, then things started shut down, um, you know, of course, relapsed a few times. Um, and it was the hardest. Like, I'm just like, why am I doing this now? Why am I doing this now? Why am I quitting yeah. alcohol now? This is a terrible time. But eventually got on top of it. Um, haven't drank since April Fool's Day. It was my last drink. Um, oh, got damn. my nine-month chip. Dude. Yeah. Congrats, got my nine- dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know me. I'm sloppy as fuck, especially every show we've ever played. Um, so, uh, that that, that was me. <laughs> that was me bef- before I quit drinking. <laughs> like, maybe I'll next show you'll be like, oh. <laughs> maybe next show you'll be like, Regan, actually, no, I'm going to take him on tour or something. Because every time you let me on, I'm like, I'll, I'll wake up the next day and I'm like, I hope Charles doesn't hate my fucking guts. Like, I was so fucked up last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I tend to the 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 nice thing is like I tend to really only hate myself that way for drinking and all my friends I give so much grace to because I'm just like yeah you're having a good time man you were fine you know yeah, but you, like, in your head you're like you wake up that anxiety of like you want to puke because you're like what I do what I say and oh, every I, time it's the same it's like we're fine we're great and I'm like but still waking up and not knowing it's like it's dude, like that's why I quit. That honestly, that that anxiety and the inability to fall asleep at night, oh yeah, because yeah. of that anxiety, and like the times because of quitting on and off for two years, you know, taking a break and then like 
you know, like being like, oh, I feel good about it. I'm going to have a drink or like relapsing, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's like, um, and just finally just realizing it's like, dude, I, I feel the best. I sleep the best. Like everything's just like, it's like, I don't, I don't mind alcohol for anyone in my life, but I no, don't. No, no, no. I'm the same way. Like, it's not how it was with heroin. Like now it's like, I mean, I just had to get away with some of like, get away from some of my best friends kind of thing with that kind of thing where it's okay. like, I'm not, I don't hate you or anything. I just can't see you anymore. Yeah. Um, alcohol is such a social thing that it's like, I, it, it's my responsibility to be responsible with it. Like you guys don't have to worry about it. Like, yeah, you, I'm not you, the beer police. Yeah. You like know? you fucking party, party, fucking exactly. And it's also, guess what? I hate the regular police. The beer police are just that much worse guys. I'm not the you beer gotta, police. You got to <laughs> kill the cop in your head first. You can't say fuck the police <laughs> exactly. and not fuck the cop in your head. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it's a very important. It's a, it's, but it's also a very important part of like self growth, I think, and and in being able to, it's like that feeling of um, that anxiety the morning after drinking and just feeling like garbage and just like that, that that feeling for me was was the cop. Like you're a piece of shit, blah blah blah. Like just the narrative is. They're laughing just, at you. Just, you have to check your social media to make sure you didn't like say something embarrassing, like. And never, like, I've never, like, woke it up being like, what have you done? Like, it's like, Regan, you don't do anything. But it's like, but yeah, I mean, I'm a loudmouth. I'm a loudmouth as fuck. Like, every time that I woke up drunk, I would wake up and just check. It's like, did you go on somebody's store and be like, I don't fucking love you. Ugh, hearts. Like, I don't fucking want to wake up and be like, were you that guy that everybody knows is drunk on social media right now? Yeah, I think plenty of times people were like Chuck's drunk on social media again. <laughs> and I, even it shows, even it shows. Uh, eventually, um, I never drove the van, and nobody said it was bad. I, I just, I, I, I think it's bad, but nobody gave me shit. But because it's like Regan's just kind of fucked up. Like so, for ten years, it's always been, yeah, Reek, just, just, just go do your thing. Go be a fucking like. And nobody said it like that. Nobody. That's just how I perceive it. Everybody yeah. was just so coddling almost like it's 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 and not in a bad way it's not like they were like pat me on the head like they treated me like an adult and as a human being but like they they were just knew that regan was sloppy and eventually that started to bug me man (laughs) yeah well and it's like i mentioned earlier about the whole wasted time thing and and i and as i get older I, i start to regret wasted time and it's not and it's not like time on the road just dicking around with my friends or, or, you know, like going on vacation or whatnot. It's like the times I, I waste an entire day puking all day because I drank an entire yeah. bottle of Jameson the night before because I hated right. myself. Right. You know, and because the only way I could be comfortable around other people because I was so fucking like just uncomfortable with who I was was by being just fucking shithoused. Yeah, yeah. And because that's how you're funny. That's how everybody knows you're funny. You, exactly. you know that, you know, people and you like start, you that way. And you start to break that narrative in your head slowly as you, like, have positive experiences with not being drunk. And you're like, oh, I don't have to be whiskey drinking Chuck who plays country music for people to like me. You know, in fact, you can be pot get, smoking Chuck. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, totally. You can be pot smoking <laughs> country and you get in less fights. And nobody, and and nobody, likes the, nobody likes the guy who starts fights while he's drunk on whiskey. <laughs> no, nobody like, does. No, and nobody like, does. You, 
you make you make fun of that guy, and then once every six months, you're that guy. You're that guy. And it's like, and yeah. You, you, that's when your life comes cr- crushing, crumbling down, and you're just so embarrassed. The embarrassment is what I needed to stop. I always knew, like, I got I got comfortable being, like, you know, super self-loathing. Like, I mean, you are a fucking crusty idiot. Like, fucking whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it's when people, it's like, hey, man, like, like eventually they, they you, you you it was almost like I was baby like it would be like hey just checking on you I'm like oh my god I gotta stop this I'm a thirty year old man fuck <laughs> god like like I'm fine y'all like I am fine I can drive the van I can do this I can put on a show god damn it dude that's uh that's fucking rad I'm I'm really excited to hear that and I'm excited to see like where you where you put that energy especially post covid because i like mine timed out to where i like kind of hit my stride as far as like figured out what me without alcohol looked like and then like covid hit and it's just like okay now i just got to throw myself into all these projects that i've been wanting to do because i have way too much time because i'm not hungover i'm not drinking at night and i'm not going to work at the bar 30 hours a week see and i'm 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 I, my my biggest thing that i i keep thinking about is when things eventually go to a semblance of normalcy. You know, like, um, I haven't been sober and played a show easily in t- 10 years. Yeah. Not once. I, like, I know that vibe. Yeah. So, but, but I haven't played a show since, you know, February when we played a show. That was my last show. So, okay. And I was fucking wasted. I was so fucked up. Like, but that's just how I play shows, you know? So, like, now I'm like, can you fucking, I mean, I can do it. Like, the songs are still there. I can play the songs, but, like, to I don't know like it's, I don't dude, try to think about it too much I, I'm waiting for it just to happen <laughs> I know? promise you dude I promise you it'll be weird and but at some point and it'll be fast it'll either be within the first few songs of your first set or during your second set back you'll be like holy shit I'm better at this than I've ever been because like I, whether you thought so or not like the the alcohol just it's like I play video games with my roommates. We play Super Smash Brothers on the Nintendo 64. It's great. They whoop my ass all day long until they've had two beers. And all it takes is, <laughs> I'm not kidding, all it takes is two fucking beers, and, I, and they start getting sloppy, and I start whooping their ass at it. And it's like people don't realize that. Like two, it's like, yeah, two beers make you feel loose and good, and it's like, and like I'm not going to say what you can or can't do on two beers because I used to think I was, great on five beers or whatever you know what i mean but no, yeah like, my, my my best thing was uh perfect at four beers um but if you're like touring and they give you those fucking uh drink tickets and they give those 16 ounces two of those uh two yeah. of those right before show um perfect at which is also funny um uh going back to you know like uh drinking things um once i started going to aa Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, I feel like an imposter here because I stopped drinking liquor. I switched to beer, and the first thing they said, it's like, you know, giving yourself allowances, like switching straight from liquor to beer. I'm like, oh fuck, they still know. Like I'm still yeah. fucked. <laughs> well, it, it's funny too because I I've only been to like a handful of meetings because it's it's just like it's not really my thing, but I, I really like it and it's nice as an option when I when I feel like it's something I need community wise. Absolutely, um, but. It's, uh, but it is really funny because anytime I do talk to someone or like talk with one of my friends who's been sober 10 years or whatever, it's like, 
as soon as I say something, they they just like, oh yeah, this is what you're doing. You know, what I mean? like you think yeah, you're yeah, like you just... think you think you got you got it. It's like ha, I tricked them. Like all these idiots are quitting drinking. Why don't you just switch to just beer? Then you can drink all day. Yeah, and then I listened to a podcast with Alice Cooper, and he's like, "Yeah, I had to drink, quit drinking beer because I would just drink thirty a fucking day." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that exactly. was me too. <laughs> yeah, man. That, it's, yeah, that's uh, exactly where I, the point I got to, and 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 that I think that's the only difference with COVID. Um, um, I still like uh, I haven't smoked pot since uh, June twenty first because my last company got bought out, but I just started a new job, so. I, I'm about ready to start that again. I'm not against pot. Um, I actually, um, it was so funny because I, I would smoke pot, not that it's a gateway drug, but, like, I smoked pot before I did, like, harder drugs. And then having to get off harder drugs, I used to look down at pot. It's like, that's not going to do it. And then it did it. And I'm like, this is a life-saving thing, and everybody should try it if they're having a hard time. Not saying for everyone, but holy fuck. This has the saving grace when it came to, like, drugs and out because I wasn't a drinker then. And also, I don't know if you read, like, William S. Burroughs and stuff, but, like, if you do heroin or something like that, the last thing you want to do is touch alcohol. Yeah. Like, that sounds – you're already fucked. Like, it's like fucking – that sounds disgusting, and it's fucking gross. And so I wasn't drinking at the time. Uh, pot, single-handedly, I would say also my friends and, you know, music and things like that. But um, having pot um, – do you ever read um, – of course, you know the band The Doors – but um, they got their band name from The Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley. Yeah, I've and never read that, actually. Well, he talks about – he's not a psychologist or anything. Like, he just talks. Um, of course, you know, point-counterpoint, fucking Brave New World, great, right? Scientific – even though point-counterpoint isn't really science fiction. But uh, um, he talks about – it's like, if we can give if we can give somebody, you know, like, you get the addict or somebody who's super into something, something that – can still get them there in a way, but is not killing them. That's how to get them. Like I'm paraphrasing, of course, but mm-hmm. there's this whole part. Where it's like it's like he didn't even just talk about weed, but it's like man, he's talking about weed. Like that's straight up. Like when I was like, I want to get high, but I don't want to fucking disappoint all my friends, and I don't want to kill myself. What do I do? Yeah. And like the first couple of weeks with weed, I'm like this baby ass shit. This fucking <laughs> you know like this sucks. And then eventually I started getting high, and I'm like. Huh. Well, and also, um, I can still go to my job. Um, um, I, I can talk to my family without bomb, like you know, bombing out. Like, I can, I can deal with customers while not, like, yeah, losing my shit on them and exactly. calling them fucking morons. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty impre- like amazing thing to and to completely just write it off for the past. 100 years or whatnot is just so irresponsible. I mean, and that's it, what, it, it, it's, it's knee deep in racism and fucking all that shit that we can get I mean, that's, about that for days. Yeah, Amer- American history is knee deep in, in all of that. <laughs> yeah, pro- prohibition. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, it's white Anglo Saxon Protestant. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely, man. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's like, I mean, and this isn't the podcast for it, but like, it's just funny when you think about um, when you try and explain like why is this like this and and it like kind of always circles back to some form of white supremacy because it's like oh, always does it's the it basis does. of the country it's like and it's like and it's not through intention you know what I mean it's just like how how it works because of how it's been built 
you know, because yeah. of, and then like people like McCarthy and Kissinger, you know, just like perpetuating these cycles. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, know. completely living in it over and over and over again. Now we have fucking Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell. Yeah, like Donald it's like Trump it's just it's yeah. just uh, another embodiment of just just the shittiness of it all, but um yeah that and, and you know pulling ourselves out of that you know knee deep in prohibition and white supremacy, which you know again I would love to talk about. I'm not saying that you know we should we we should move away from this. Like I would love to talk about that. If you have a podcast about that, hit me up. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not the, but, uh, I'm not the expert on it, but I can I can tell you some great podcasts to listen to on similar <laughs> subjects. I would love it, um, man. I'll send you some links. Yeah, um, send, send it over to me. Well, I mean, no, the first one I would just say is like listen to Behind the Bastards, Behind the Police series. They did like six episodes that during the uprising this summer, which is great. But like also all of Behind the Bastards is just like. Um, I don't know. It's it's very great and very leftist leaning and but also very based in actual in actual history. Um and not the bullshit that you were taught by colonialist um settlers that Yeah, my Spanish that, my Spanish fork fucking education system, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The Nevo um, school system, man. <laughs> totally. Um so I wanna ask you what's do you have like a like what's your favorite thing about being on the road? Man, um, or you can just list you know, something that you really love about it. Uh, and I don't want to tie it into you know my like drugs or alcohol because it isn't at all. But um, when you show up, when you finally get to your destination, it's before the show. It's hours before, and you're just free to smoke a cigarette, smoke a joint, meet some people there, have a beer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like the, the settling in and being like. All right, Tucson or something. Fucking, I don't know where I'm at. Like, like you know, like uh, I haven't, I haven't been here. Or I haven't played here in a year or something. You know that mm-hmm. that uh, that settling in. Fuck, I miss totally. that so much of just showing up and then talking to people there, talking to you, whether they're fans or not, just making friends. Um, yeah, and just like you know, like just fucking, just kind of just going dumb wild kind of thing, you know. Yeah, totally. I dude, I that's something I miss about touring with the band. Um and uh I had and like with my buds <laughs> and be and also being younger because what what I used to love was pulling into a place and um and in the hours between like going to the coffee shop down the street or whatnot and you know, if you're in your twenties, you're in college and you're in a college town or you're college aged like talking to the cute girl behind the counter and being like, Hey, we're playing a show tonight. Or like meeting some, you know, you see someone else playing like at the coffee shop, some singer songwriter, like, Hey, come down the street. <laughs> and then before you know it, you're like, you, you're friends with them. Like, and it's been a decade and you're like, you know, their kids name. Right. Those little, those little things that probably in any other circumstance would probably be a hello, goodbye kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and uh, now because of MySpace and, and Facebook forever. Yeah, yeah, that I'm still just like, you know, being like, oh my god, I can't believe your daughter's so big. Like, what the fuck? It seems like Dude, yesterday I, we met at that Tilly in the Wall show. That. that is one of my favorites. I didn't even think about that. That is crazy. Yeah, those people that you meet. I, I know a, I know a girl named Tawny who moved from Riverside. I've known her. She now lives in like Florida or something. I've been known her since for like 15 years. 
And it was just mm-hmm. because, like, somebody bought my album and I had to ship it out to them, and now I'm still friends with them, met them in real life. Like, that shit is so fucking dope. wild. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is a – it's a – another one of the things about what we do that is magical is that like I don't know these these friendships you can create yeah and also and the fact that like the fact that your sister got a guitar when you were a kid and then you were eight years old like eventually led to you playing lead guitar in Europe with a band from from San Diego (laughs) you know like as funny as that is and no it's incredible to think about that but it's funny because before we move on from that, I have to say, if you Google Western settings, I think Bordeaux, France, the entire crowd is booing me because really? I can't play guitar. Yeah, dude. There's this whole time where I'm like drunk, just apologizing, just going, sorry, sorry. And, and we, yeah, we played in some underground place in Bordeaux. Um, but by the time we played Fest a month later, man, I could shred those solos. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what it's, after it's, thirty days of playing them every day. Um, it's yeah, not about the. It. <laughs> it's, it's the, the. It's not about the booze you got along the way. It's the solos you learned by the end. The funny of, thing is, my current partner, my current partner, that's where I met her. Dude, is it that, that show? Is crazy to think about. No, this is not a joke. So my current partner, who uh, works for the Bad Copy and stuff, um, worked for the For the Love of Punk at the time. I mm-hmm. played fest. Uh, uh, pre-fest and fest with this band and this this girl was taking pictures and um, I was still like, I was going through like a separation at the time but I was, so I wasn't looking to do anything or meet anybody mm-hmm. but I remember telling the guys I'm like who's that and it's like oh this is that girl her, her name's Kendra Sheets uh, she takes pictures and writes up, writes up for bands and stuff mm-hmm. like oh she's great and for the, like the next four years from 2016 until now until last fest actually last year um, the same thing, and then eventually it's just both single, and now we're just dating. And uh, wouldn't have been if I did not go to Europe and fucked up that entire band set for thirty days that I wouldn't meet. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean that's uh, damn that's that's very very interesting that that uh, and that's how things shake out sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's a great way. You know, um, Tom Robbins has I can't I, I have to paraphrase, but he talks about how life changes so bad from good to bad so quickly. It's the best thing that he can do to fight against suicide is that even if it's bad, he knows that it's eventually going to be good and it could be the blink of the eye, kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I really like that, and that was kind of how that situation is. It's like you know, it's like how you know, a friend of mine for, I mean, but even now, I mean, my ex-wife is one of my best friends and I've known her since I was 14 years old. Like, you know, you meet these people, you know, and these, 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 uh, these, the social constructs kind of like change and how, how you are together. But like, you know, the, the origins of how you meet somebody is pretty crazy. I mean, look at you and I, we worked at yeah. fucking, uh, some retail store in some fucking dumbass mall 10, 11 years ago. And now we're doing a podcast together after playing shows and touring around the world. Yeah, that, that's wild. And that <laughs> that brings me back to um, the, my favorite story of you, um, where oh, you know you get you you quit Urban Outfitters, and, and I don't see you anymore. And like we, I think we might have been friends 
on Facebook at that point. I don't know. I don't Something like remember. that, yeah. Or maybe maybe not even like you kind of just disappeared out of my life. I don't even remember. And then I'm, I'm gonna do with that too. I go to I see that the Gaslight Anthem is playing at the Depot in Salt Lake, and the tickets are five bucks. And like I I just never went to shows in my twenties because I couldn't afford them. I was just so broke all the time. So so five bucks. I was like, fuck yes, I can afford that. Not just Gaslight Anthem either. That was fake problems. The Menzingers and Gaslight Anthem. That was a pretty especially for that time. Now that these bands are so big, I mean, not fake problems, but, you know, um, what's-his-name is doing great. Um, I don't want to say what's-his-name. He's actually super good, and I love him, but now I can't think of him on the spot. Um, his I, name. I Chris Barron. Chris Barron. Chris Barron. I, I don't – what's funny is I I was working, and I, like, I was able to catch, like, the Gaslight Anthem. I didn't even know the Menzingers were on that show because they weren't even on, on my radar back then. Oh, Really? Which is fucked up, but like Definitely I, I were on my top, like like and still like it's funny how it came around because Menzingers, eh, fake problems don't really exist anymore. But fucking guess who's back in the Gaslight Anthem, baby? I am after dropping off right after I didn't listen to anything of theirs since Fifty Nine Sounds at all, and I still have not really dived into after that. But I have recently started getting back into those first two albums. Fun band, oh, man. fun band. Dude, they're they're so great. They're so good, and all of their stuff, and even uh, uh, Brian Fallon's new new like his solo stuff's really good too. Um, He's definitely an inspiration when it comes to solo, just kind of just branching out and just doing it yourself. For sure, but but, but that, I have a lot of that... like, those punk influences. Those punk like you, I, I have Chuck Reagan, Tim Barry, like fucking Austin Lucas, like so many of these people who played punk their whole lives. It's like, yeah, you can do it. You can do it if you really just are, you know, brave enough and. You know, you don't get so wrapped up on how, how fucking everybody thinks you're a joke and shit. It's like, so like, uh, like going from circling back to you know, there's there's so many punk musicians who have gone the way that I'm going. Um, man, it's it, it's kind of like a, like those weird beacons of being like, you know, it's like you know, just play your music. What, what people what people say it's not country, then you're not country. Who fucking gives a fuck? Who fucking cares, man? Yeah, have you read? Uh... The Johnny Cash autobiography. Um, I, I think it's called not. Cash. Dude, not. it's it's actually really good. I read it around the time I was making my first solo record. I want to say, and uh, he he mentions how um, he's just like he's like I, people ask me like, are you rock and roll? Or are you country? Or, like, what are you? And he's like, I don't know because I was playing when I was playing country music early on in my career. They said. Well, he's not country. And then now that I'm playing like rock and roll music, they're like, well, he's country, you know, because he's like older and he's it's in the 90s after those Rick Rubin albums. And he's just like, I don't know. I'm Johnny Cash and I just play music, you know? And it's like, yeah, because you're just punk as fuck, Johnny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All, all it boils down to is being, but, and that's what I texted you the other day. Said, Wildcat, you're still punk as fuck. You've always been punk as fuck. <laughs> That's the good yeah. thing about going into country, which is so funny because I used to get my ass kicked by all the cowboy kids, and uh, now they'd probably be like, yeah, he's not so bad. I like his music. I don't know. Fucking, I remember actually showing somebody who likes country um, religiously um, my first country song. They're like, this isn't country, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then you listen yeah. to Jason Isbell, and uh, that, that I don't know if you listen to him on Mark Marin where he was with Drive-By Truckers, and I can't remember who it was, like this big guy who they showed him his al- their album, their first album, and he's like, this isn't good, this isn't country. 
And he's like, yeah, it kind of fucked me up for a time. But then I, as I'm older, I'm like, that was a punk album. Of course he's not going to like it. You know? Yeah, for sure. Drive-by truckers were a hard one to place for a lot of years. And now they're, they're just killing it because they, they're just like their own thing and people fucking love them for it. See, I, I need to get more into them. I, I, I I'm, I'm going it back. I mean, of course, I have my classics, and of course, you you know you listen to Isbel. I listen to Isbel at least. Fuck it, I love Sergio Simpson. You know mm-hmm. there are contemporary people I listen to, um, yeah. but uh, for the most part, when it comes to country and folk, I'm, I'm still stuck in the fucking dumbass shit. Not dumbass shit. I, I should I should walk that back before I have anybody say that I'm calling it. Dumb. It's my favorite shit. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I don't. I, I need to really dive into more contemporary artists uh, where it comes to folk country or rock and roll and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, I don't know. I seem to find out about people like a couple years after everyone else. So yeah, I, and if I listen to someone too much, I just start writing songs like them, and I'm still just trying to write. Ultimately, I'm just trying to write a Paul Simon song. So. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's just like you can't go wrong. I uh, yeah, it's it, I I've been doing a lot of recording. Like I'm trying to teach myself engineering, and uh, part of how I'm doing that is by like recording cover songs, and uh, um, and that's been a fun thing to do is just like try and be like, okay, if I'm gonna I'm gonna cover this song, but I'm gonna try and do it in the style of this artist. So it's like uh, if Cat Stevens were to play this Jason Isbell song, or you know what I mean, like, and uh, that's 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 a fascinating way to kind of dissect things like that. Well, it's just like in my head. I'm not gonna like when people listen to it, tell them like that's what I was thinking. It's just like it for me. It's it just kind of gives me like a, a north star to aim for, and because wow. it's like you're recording someone else's song, so you're like I could just do fucking anything with this. I mean, anything within reason. I've got, like, one microphone and, like, a practice space where I get, like, maybe two or three quiet hours a day. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's like, it's limiting, but it's been a – it's, like, this new thing I'm kind of working on a lot where I, I try and, like, set parameters for a creative project I'm working on. So then it feels more like solving a puzzle than just, like, staring at a blank piece of pa- paper. Right. No, that, I, I think that's a fantastic um, – you know uh, – um, what's his name? Um, Hunter S. Thompson wrote like on a typewriter all of um, The Great Gatsby because he wanted to know what it felt like to like write a like a good novel and like actually the feeling of it. And uh, really, he, he just typed it all out. Yeah, yeah. The, the, just looking at the book, he just typed it out. He wanted to know what it felt like. That that's it. And uh, this is, of course, during his first, you know, like, making, like, Hell's Angels and shit. He wanted to start writing novels before he even did any sort of journalism besides that Hell's Angels shit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it, it, and it kind of reminds me of the same thing. It's like, you know, you take something great. It's already great, but you're going to start to change it to, to know the feeling of what it's like to to make something like that from the ground up. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a pretty cool way to dissect something, to try to tinker with it or something like that, you know? Yeah, it's been a it's been a nice little way for me to like, you know, it's like tinkering on an engine in the garage, you know, like like your uncle right, right. Or, or, or whatever, where he's, he's like, he's like could kind of give a shit less if this old bike runs again, but he's just like it's just something to do, um, you know, and it's like a, it's like a nice exercise for his mind. That's kind of where I'm at with it, and then also you know, um, 
some new stuff for my patrons on Patreon to listen to. Patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, um, I got always got to do my little plugs in there. But I uh, of course you got to, of course you got to, man. <laughs> I wanted to. Oh, I gotta finish the story though. So I'm at this Gaslight Anthem show, and I'm I'm oh. there with my buddy my, Punk Rock Mike, and we're hanging out, and uh, and we're watching the Gaslight Anthem play, and then I, all of a sudden I see someone jump on stage and start singing along with Brian Fallon, and then he'll get like jumps back into the I crowd. I barely remember. I didn't even remember I did that. I did that. Yeah, what, and, what song was that? I don't remember, but I see. I'm like, I think I know that guy. And then like a song or two later, it happens again, and the security just, guards, the security guards grab, and it turns out to be you. It was just like funny, but like they grab you and take you out back, like you know. And I, I assume kicked you out. And Brian Fallon after that song, like, did you just kick that kid. Yo, out? dude, yeah, you said that. Oh, fuck. Did you guys kick oh, that fuck. kid out? What'd you do that for? Like, let him back in. He's just having fun. He didn't like hurt me or anything. Because uh, you like jumped on stage and like sang along with him on in his microphone, and then Mike and I are leaving the show later on, and we run into you, and I'm like, it was you, and I just got to say that's like, that's one of the most punk rock things anyone I know has ever done. So, um, I, I got to probably one of the, like, the first times I've ever been outside drunk, so that's probably why I was doing stuff like that. <laughs> Dude, that that's so funny. Just like to contextualize it, so funny. It's like. I think I know that guy. I think I worked with that that guy at Urban Outfitters for like a week, and then Dude, like we went to a bar afterwards. Yeah, later on that night, brother. Into you. Oh, my little my little brother was with us. Dude, yeah, like he like showed up at like a bar. I barely remember this. I forgot that I jumped on stage the last ten, eleven years that this happened. I forgot that this ever happened. Yeah, I remember seeing you at a Gaslight Anthem show. I don't remember jumping on stage. And then him fucking, yeah, Brian Fallon being like, what are you fucking doing? I remember this. <laughs> Dude, that was, a, that was a crazy night. And that was when I was like, Regan's a legend in my book. And uh, that dude's <laughs> punk rock as fuck. <laughs> That's so wild, man. That's so crazy to think about, you know, like. When you asked me to do this podcast and stuff, it's like, yeah, I've known Charles for a long time. But, like, the, the things that you kind of forget, like, the, you, you, the, you, you know, you kind of, like, you know, the glossy version of, like, yeah, the Gaston Anthem show. And, the, dude, also that fucking kid pushed over, like, this giant vase downtown. Oh, yeah. Who the fuck was dude, that kid? Dude, we, I don't know who it was. He was just a kid following us. And then all of oh, yeah, just we... put the dirt back in it and, like, lifted this, like, 120-pound rod. Yeah, dude. I think that kid was just, like, following us. We thought he was with you. You thought he was with us. And then he started, like, breaking shit. And we we're like, dude, you need to get yeah, out of like, here. Yeah, we're like, hey, hey, this is a small business, man. Like, fucking, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, do this at Walmart. Don't break, like, some restaurant <laughs> fucking thing. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't. All I remember is like darkness all around me, and just this memory of this guy pushing something over. And Dude, it wasn't I, the cool type of pushing something over. Yeah, it wasn't the fun kind of property destruction. Yeah, yeah, which is totally <laughs> fun if you're punching up. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's that was but a yeah, good night, man. These, yeah, these things are rushing by. Yeah, I remember seeing your little brother. I don't remember what bar it was at. I've never been there again. And Salt Lake City isn't big, man. And that was 10 years ago. You'd think that I'd show – I don't – what bar that was. I think there was, like, a piano playing inside. Whoa. Maybe. 
Did we end up on, on like, Keys on Main? Because that's, like, a bar I would never go to. It was, like, a bar. Your little brother showed up. It was, like, the square bar, too. It was, like, in the middle of the room. I think there was a band playing. I can't remember if this is another memory bleed. I was so fucked up. Uh, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> which of my brothers was there? Do you remember? Do you know? I think. Do you, remember? Do you have two younger brothers? I I do, but one one's adopted. Did he look like me? Because if he looked like me, it was Ken. I swear he looked he like look like. Okay, then it was Ken. But also, dude, this is forever ago, and then you guys told me how you like Harry Potter a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Uh, I think that was around the same time Kenny and I got second place in a Harry Potter pub quiz, like the night before or something like that. These are just memories I seriously totally, like, I remember, like I said, I remember the bulk memory. And then when you said jumping up on stage, I'm like, wait, and then the rest of the night just untied in my mind where I'm like, whoa. Well, you you did it twice. The first time you did it, I was like, I think I know that guy. And the second time you did it, I was like, I'm pretty sure that dude's this dude, Regan, and he's getting kicked out right now. <laughs> like, that was like, that was like a, a, your, how you confirmed it. It's like, I think I know that guy. It's like, oh, wait, no, I definitely know that guy. Yeah, and then I saw you out back after the show was over. <laughs> well, it was funny, and it may, I've thought about this for a long time, and, and if anyone's listening that is in a band, like, because this is, this is 2012, probably. Yeah, or yeah, maybe 2012. Yeah, this was, it had been a couple of years after we had worked together, but and it was like so the, the Gaslight Anthem was like a big band, but not as big as they are now. I mean, they're on hiatus or whatever now, but like they were pretty big. And for them to have, and I guess the Menzingers to be on it, and it was just five dollars at like this at the Depot, which is like a thousand cap venue. Which is funny that you said five dollars because when you said that initially, I'm like, was that why I went? Because I had no money at the time, like. And I was yeah, it was like, I don't even know who drove me, dude. No, it was my Colombian friend Nick Vega. Nick Vega drove me to that show. I love Nick Vega. Yeah, never, never mind. I do remember who drove me to that show. It was Nick Vega, and I wasn't—I actually wasn't old enough to drink, but it was an all-ages show. I think. It, I'm pretty sure it was all ages, but like separated. Yeah, because I think I got drunk before the show. That would make sense. I mean, Everybody we probably listening too, at this we point weren't. is just like, it's like, guys, you've been just talking about this one show, but it's like, this is fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a, it, it was just was really interesting because it was only $5, and I ran into a ton of people that night that didn't really know the bands that well, but they were just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like, it's five <laughs> bucks, you know? And I was like, in my head, I'm like, if I'm ever in a band that's playing this size venues where I've got like kind of like a five buck kind of, maximum. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a name, but like not really. It's like set the price at five bucks and they will come. If you build it and <laughs> yeah, yeah. set it at if five bucks, it, they will come. If, if if you set it at five dollars, they will come. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I wanna I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I really wanted to uh last but not least ask you if you've got any um any sort of like advice for anyone who might want to be pursuing a career in the arts of uh drunken punk rock crooner or do you have any advice or any words you just want to put out into the world uh 
Honestly, the the only only thing I'd want to say is just you know, uh, looking back on uh, this this last year and not being able to do the things that uh, made me feel whole and super special or good about myself personally um, is uh, play play music for uh, the the reason why you should. I think the reason why you should be playing music is because you like to play it live. Otherwise, you know. Um, it, it's not I, – I, I, I don't hear many bands now, of course, um, but I've heard so many bands, you know, it's like we work so hard and, you know, like, you know, like I, we deserve this. We deserve – it's like, it's like I, I feel like that's the wrong way to look at it because these are just fleeting moments. Like, you know, like, like the th- times that we're talking about, I once played Europe. Like, will yeah. I ever do that again? Yeah, probably not. Like, maybe, maybe. Like, you know, but like uh, instead of looking at it, it's like – I I'm I'm a fucked up loser that will never do that again. It's amazing that I got to do it. So enjoy enjoy just playing music for the sake of playing music. You know, enjoy playing a show with your friends for the sake of playing a show with your friends. Think about it that way. I know it's not it's it's, it's near impossible sometimes to not get down on yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do it all the time, especially this year. What the fuck have I done? But it's like no, I you I mean, I have I have like a whole solo album written, and then I have a punk uh, EP written for a different band, uh-huh. like. Yeah, I can't do it, but you know, like I worked, I did it. Be kind to yourself. Be fucking a little bit kind to yourself, and just enjoy, enjoy the ride of just making music and playing it. Especially if you can get out. I, I encourage anybody who can play outside of their home state to fucking just do it. Um, you don't have to go on months long. You can go for a fucking day. You can go for a weekend. Like if people, if you're worried about people thinking it's like that ain't a tour, then fucking you can they can shove your tour up their ass. Like fucking fuck them. Yeah. The, the kind of people who's like a weekend that ain't a tour. It's just like fucking what a miserable prick you are. Like you there's know, what a, dude. I I know uh, there was a, a prominent Utah musician and person in the Utah music scene uh, when back when my buddy Trace shadow puppet and i used to like do these months like these month or two month long tours where we just drive around the country playing all these shows and it was all diy and just a fucking blast dude and he used to call them vanity tours like like in this like sideways way way yeah and it's just like dude you've been working some corporate job since you graduated college and you won some like local award once like fuck you man i'm out on the road trying to make it happen like and and also like and I don't talk shit about you like you, sorry I I just did talk shit about you but I'm not gonna say who it is but I'm just like I don't talk shit about your. He's band. not even on your radar. You're he because you don't think like that. You don't. Yeah, fucking he, waste your fucking time even thinking about that kind of shit. Yeah, and it was just like, dude, all I want to do is be out on the road and do this shit. So I'm gonna fucking do it, and and it's and it's totally worth it. And I miss Absolutely. my friends that have traded it in for a grown-up life, but I totally get it, too. And there's, I don't know. I'm just a lifer, See, that dude. That's kind of where we're problem daughter is right now. Um, Tyler and I started making a new band. Um, Trey and Shane, they bought houses, which are great. They're they're still playing music. Problem Daughter's not done. But, um, you know, you get to, especially this time in our lives where people are like, it's like, you know, kind of crunch time at figuring out kind of the things they want. And not even crunch time. Like, it's like it's going to be gone in the next day or so. But, like, you know, like, that now now's the time that's like you, you start thinking it's like you know uh i I was working at a welding shop for so long because it let me tour, and now that I'm not touring, I realize it's like man, I've been living in i mean I'm not that I can just drag, drag myself out of poverty, I don't have a bunch of uh, skills 
as they say. But um, uh, you know, like uh, I realized how you know, like how little I I, I really even try to make my life better. Because it's just like I'm, I, I am picking up on those fleeting moments. It's like this will never happen again. But it fucking will. It will. Yeah. And if it doesn't, that's all right. It's just going to be different. And different isn't bad. <laughs> like you know, like, like you know, like uh, the the fact that this this guy was so miserable that he would talk shit on you while working a nine to five. It's like I work a nine to five, and all I want to do is that. Like I would fucking be so fucking into being like, hey, hey, you're doing great. You're doing great. Also, can I open up for you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. No, and I, it was just like, it was kind of like some backhanded shit that, you know, and also whenever someone says shitty things to me now, now having been someone who said a lot of shitty things about people who didn't deserve it, um, like now I try and We've all been keep, there. I try and keep in mind, it's like, you don't know what kind of day that person's having. You don't know what they're going through. Right, right. And and even, even like, oh man, I, and, and so many day-to-days, like, it, it's helped with my anxiety and my fucking, like, especially, uh, uh, like, my, like, I, I'm bipolar, and sometimes I'll have times where it's, like, even sitting in a line at a grocery store, it's like, I'm only too fucking freaky, fuck out. It's like, it's like, but then when you stop and start to realize it's like, you know, you're not, like, it's not like a the Regan Ashton movie. There's about eight people around you that, like, you know, like, fucking, yeah. like, are still going through their own shit. They're still doing their own thing. It's like... Fucking shut the fuck out, you fucking piece of shit. Like, yeah, you're uncomfortable but right now. Being... I bet everybody is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I don't want to – sorry for interrupting, but also you got to you gotta do me a favor, Regan, and stop calling yourself a piece of shit. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even realize I was doing that, and my girlfriend would love that you just said that because I do not know when I am talking shit on myself. It's such an ingrained thing. That she will, she does the same thing where it's like, hey, you're doing it. I'm like, fuck, I didn't even hear it. Sorry, I'm actually working on that. I am wildcat. I am. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, I think I think that's great. I think you should because I used to be the same way, and it's it's really, um, through like a few years of like really focusing on changing it and and trying to catch things before I say them. I you know I used to flip or whatnot, but it's like I, I've definitely seen a big difference in just like how I Be view other yourself. people and the world just by being kinder to myself. See, and, see and I'm 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 working on it the opposite way of being like be kind to everyone else, and I'm and I've made it to myself. I actually, like I said, I I didn't even realize I even said that until you said it because my girlfriend also corrects me, and I've been doing way better at trying to be cognizant of being a shithead to myself. Um, it's just so like you know like that's just how like you know you get to like totally these habits have existed for decades. Like it's, it's how it's ingrained yeah. in, in how you talk about yourself. Yeah. You're just a piece of shit. You're just a trash boy that fucking, you're just a goblin kid. You're just a goblin, man. You're, but I, I was, but you know what? But you could be a real boy if you start being nice to yourself. <laughs> See, I was, I was going to meet me at myself halfway and be like, Hey, you might be a goblin, but Regan, you are America's favorite goblin. Everybody loves your little goblin ass. <laughs> Um, if, if I if I were to uh, if I were to name this podcast episode, it would be my free, my favorite goblin Regan. Yeah, just just be like um, I uh, this uh, week's episode I have America's favorite goblin on the show Regan Ashton. And uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, I've been calling myself that throughout Problem Daughter. It's like even when we make posts on like Instagram, so it's like yo. Clown babies, it's it's Regan, America's favorite goblin. Like it's, I've always like for the last three years, I've been calling myself that. So it's 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 kind. I'm America's favorite 
trash guy. No, I love it. As long as you're like, as long as you see yourself as the king of trash that you are, and not hey some some piece of shit down in the gutter. Because I don't want you talking about my friend Regan that way. <laughs> they, you, you, what do they say? They say, uh, you can take the trailer park, the kid out of the trailer park, but you can't take the trailer park out of the kid, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, dude, I, I'm, yeah. I grew up in a town called Pine Top, Arizona, and I try and walk around New York City like I know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. That's how I am. Uh, my, 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 again, um, ex, but, uh, best friend, uh, she lives in Passaic, New Jersey, and so for the last 10 years, last 12 years, I was just going, it sucks that, like, now that I'm never in New York is when you live in New York, because I, well, yeah, I was for there sure. for fucking three months out of the year for the last 12 years, man. Dude, I, I can't believe we didn't really re, like connect that until we were playing shows together and you weren't. Really yeah, it's like out it's here. like it's like so yeah, you move and like, dude, I'm in Passaic all the time. That's like right outside of Hoboken, which is right outside of New York, baby. Yeah, that would have. Well, maybe one of these days when COVID's over, our paths will cross somewhere other than Salt Lake. But even if it's Salt Lake, Chicago, Chicago, I'm I'm there dope. now all the time. That that's now I'm, my. I do. I've got family and friends in Chicago, and I would love to. See you there sometime. To be honest, if this relationship keeps working out, I'll probably my lease is up in August. I'll probably be moving to Chicago. So we'll be 18 hours away because you're about 18 hours from Chicago, right? I've never made that drive directly, but yeah, that sounds about right. I'm sure I can I, do it. My my, my 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 ex once said that it's like it's like isn't it like this much? And she was like, No, are you fucking stupid? It's this much. I'm like, Oh, I thought it was way closer than that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I haven't done that drive directly, but I, I'm sure it wouldn't. I don't think you can do it in a day. I mean, you could do it in a day, but you probably shouldn't do it by yourself in a day. Dude, I, I, I and I feel that. But when I so I, I left Chicago. It was uh, November. It was the week of the 16th. So whatever Saturday of that week was, um, mm-hmm. and I had work on Monday, so I was leaving Saturday morning. I'm like, I'll just sleep and then drive and get there Sunday night. I drove this straight 21 hours from Chicago to Utah, got from 7 a.m., left at 7 a.m., got home in Salt Lake City at 3 a.m., drove this straight way. Holy By shit. By myself, dude. man. That's a fucking haul. <laughs> dude, that's that... the first time that I was just like, I'm going to be fuck home. I don't give a fuck anymore. And that then I. My, my record by three hours. No, that that's definitely the longest. Like I, we we've done it as a band, but like I said, like that's you switch off guys. Like that yeah, is the sure. longest drive I've ever I've ever been. Like and of course, like you know, like tour, like you stop, go, stop, go. I was so just like it's like no, I want a day where I can sleep now, wake up at noon, and then just fucking do whatever I want before having to go straight back to fucking work. So I was just like. I'm doing it. I'm just going to fucking do it. And, and I couldn't get tired at all. I started going insane, it felt like. But, uh, like, no fatigue. For some reason, my body was just ready to just be like, no, you're done. You're going home. You will be home today. And, uh, yeah, so that's the longest consecutive drive I've ever made. <laughs> Dude, that's that's very impressive. You're going you're gonna to take my title of dirtbag king. Oh no no dude that's that's when that's when this all lifts and you let me fucking open up for your ass and I'll just be your road dog. I'm I'm into it. Well we we gotta hit the road together at some point. We have to man. I've gotten better. I swear to God. <laughs> I believe it and I can't wait to see. It. Um, I we went we went the distance. We went the full two hours. So that's you should pat yourself on the back. I think uh, 
I hope if anyone's still listening, uh, has a a great, I don't know, great job listening this to, to us. Yeah, this, this this is a lot of just incoherent, mostly stream of conscious thought. We're like the uh, the shitty beats of country music right now. That's that's what they're here for. If if they're listening this long, so. But brother, I gotta I gotta get going, and it's oh, me too, man. Absolute pleasure catching up with you, dude. Oh, Thanks love so it, love you. it, Wildcat, love it, Wildcat. You let me know when you're back in town. Let me open up your ass. I'll let you know for sure, and uh, let the people know where they can find you. Um, you can find me um, if you want to know my band, Problem Daughter. You can find that on Bandcamp and Spotify. Also, my name, Regan Allen Ashton. Um, just Regan Ashton, probably, but uh, no Reagan bullshit here. It's, it's a long E guy. We ain't Reagan in over here. So Regan Allen Ashton, um, you can find that on Spotify and um, and uh, Bandcamp as well. Hell yeah, brother. Well, it's been a pleasure, and you take care, and I'll talk to you very soon. <laughs> talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for having me, buddy. I love you. Love you too, bud. We'll see you. <laughs> talk to you soon. Bye-bye.